Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I am your host, the birthday boy, Rod. And I'm joined by... No explanations needed, Jess. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's, I'm, it's, I'm the birthday boy because we're recording this on my birthday month. Now, the, the episode won't necessarily be released <laughs> in my birthday month, but probably Jess's birthday... <laughs> Jess's doesn't have a birthday. Jess will be the birthday boy. <laughs> Jess has no birthday. Hey, welcome. Uh, if you're new to the show, here's what we do. Um, this is a TV episode, 1991 TV. We have gone through a list of every television show that debuted in the year 1991, mm-hmm. and we decided, we determined which one each of us have watched the most in our lives. And we're going to talk about those shows today. And guess what? It's going to be the the Nickelodeon Power Hour <laughs> because two Nickelodeon shows. Nick, this is the year when Nickelodeon like really tried. Yeah, <laughs> like when they shot off and said we're going to be the top children's t- network on cable. Kids are going to love us. Yeah, so we have two. I would consider pillars of the Nickelodeon lineup. I would of not the early nineties and beyond. I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. At Nickelodeon. A special place in my heart. <laughs> um, you, you, you too. Yeah, much better than Disney. I think so. <laughs> I, <laughs> For TV, in, in retrospect, in hindsight, yes, yeah. Nickelodeon is way better than the Disney Channel ever was. Yeah, there were some Disney Channel shows that I did like, but no, Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna jump right in. We're gonna start with Jess's show. Hey. Debuting March 23rd, 1991 on Nickelodeon, created by Mitchell Kriegman, starring Jason Zimbler, Elizabeth Hess, Joe O'Connor, Sean O'Neill, and Melissa Joan Hart. We have Clarissa Explains It All. Yes. Uh, that is the theme song to Clarissa Explains It All. Uh, before I go further, that song was sung by Rachel Sweet, who provided the singing voice for the female lead in what movie? <laughs> what movie? I wasn't prepared for this pop quiz. What was the movie? Cry Baby. Oh, I enjoy that movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everything's connected. Uh, can you explain why this is your show of 1991? Because I didn't really watch anything. <laughs> really? Remember when we went through the list of runners-up? There were none? There were basically none. But uh, Clarissa has like a special place in my heart. I think I was a Melissa Joan Hart fan at heart. Was she in like anything before? I don't think she was. No, right but I definitely saw Sabrina before I saw Clarissa. Really? So you went back and watched this? Yeah. Oh. Well, not like back, but like what? It's 1991. How old am I? Two? Yeah. <laughs> so reruns. <laughs> so like, you really you weren't watching this when it aired. I was two. But I mean, even like season five or something like that. Even um, then? I think I watched some of it, uh, but I think even then they were already doing some reruns. Mm. You know. Um, I but I did watch it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like her fourth wall breaks i almost said fourth camera i enjoyed her fourth wall breaks and i enjoyed like the sassiness of her i do i do remember a lot more of her see 
the thing where it gets iffy is because like the older towards the end like the style started to mix with Sabrina's style so sometimes I get like episodes mixed up mm. like was Sam in that scene or was Harvey in that scene <laughs> was Salem in that scene or Ferguson right <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, but I don't know. It was like super enjoyable. I remember just like really liking like all the quirky things that would happen that it was like set in reality. And but there were so many like cartoonish things yeah, that would happen yeah. because of the add ons and stuff that was just like engaging to watch, especially as a 90s kid. It's colorful. Hashtag 90s kid. Hashtag 90s. So kid. this Clarissa explains it all was from the Nickelodeon era right before mine. Mm-hmm. I, I, my journey through television was like this, like when I was er, young enough to, or, or sorry, when I was old enough to recognize what shows I was watching, I was into the Disney channel, right? And the Disney channel was my favorite show. And then when I was about five or so, I graduated to Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon <laughs> was my new show. So yeah. when I first started getting to Nickelodeon, cause um, I, I think like my friend Michael was a fan of Nickelodeon before I was, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I started watching it at his house, I remember this era was was ending, right? Clarissa right. Explains It All, uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Mm-hmm. Those shows were ending, and the new shows like Hey Arnold and even SpongeBob a little later mm-hmm. uh, were just starting. Right. So this is all kind of a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. So I never watched Clarissa Explains It All. I knew of it. And the graphics and yeah. the style and all of the colors remind me of a time right before mine my own you know <laughs> that elusive time right before you were born yeah whatever. yeah yeah no i get that yeah so that's that's clarissa to me um but i was i was pleasantly surprised watching this show really yeah. for the first time ever <laughs> this was the first episode i ever watched of clarissa explains it all hey i'm glad i yeah. can introduce I did watch, nice things i did watch sabrina though Okay, I watched well. a lot of Sabrina. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the history of this show, which, because this is our first real Nickelodeon episode, I got the history of Nickelodeon as well. Nice. Well, good thing both of them are Nickelodeon. Exactly. It seemed appropriate. <laughs> so Nickelodeon, or Nick, launched nationally on cable in 1979. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because- it's a relatively young network by this time. No, no, no. 79. Yeah, and we're only in 91. It's like... Not even 20 years old. 10 years. I, I guess that's young. I don't know. Like, I feel like ca- all cable shows... That's an old cable show to me. 10 years? I mean, yeah, but really, the cable show is only old enough to be a fifth grader. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> anyway. My maths. It became the first cable channel for children. Oh, first okay. ever. Um, its flagship program at the time was a variety show called Pinwheel. Never heard of it? Never, I never saw Pinwheel, but apparently it was like cartoons and other things. Skits. It was like Sesame Street. Oh, okay. I was going to say like Kablam? No, not quite. <laughs> uh, throughout the 1980s, Nickelodeon continued to build its schedule with a variety of programming in hopes, to f- in hopes of finding the hit. Mm, the hit maker. Yeah, and securing its own identity, including several imported live action and animated programs. Like, oh. So like Nickelodeon was built on the back of imported Canadian television. <laughs> oh, Canada. Yeah. Um, standout shows during this period were the Canadian sketch show You Can't Do That on Television and the game show Double Dare. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, both wi- both of which inspired Nickelodeon's trademark green slime. Oh. Yeah, new, the, the You Can't Do That on Television, or was it You Can't Say That on Television? I think it's You Can't Do That on Television. I think it, I don't know. You Can't on Television. The, the 
the thing was, if you said a certain word throughout the show, whoever said it, green slime would fall from the ceiling onto them. Oh, it's like Pee Wee's Herman. It was sort of like the secret word from Pee Wee Herman, yes. Mm, except it was the whole game. Uh, Nick at Night launched in 1985, focusing on oldies television like the Don Reed Show and Dennis the Menace. I remember the Nick at Night thing was like, look at all these old shows from the 70s. <laughs> that was when I was watching Nickelodeon, that's what they were playing. Yeah. And like Roseanne, I think the 80s shows too, and Cheers. That was my Nick at Night. I think maybe it was like to encourage parents not to change the channel after the kids went to sleep. It's funny, back in those days, the television shows like graduated from different networks, right? It was mm. like you're on primetime TV and then you when you're old enough and you're in syndication, right? And then if you're older still, you're on Nick at Night. <laughs> and then if you're really old, you're on... Time Warmer Kramer. TV Land. Yeah. Remember TV, remember TV Land? I do remember TV Land. <laughs> In 1988, um, the network launched the preschool education block Nick Jr. TV Land is the Florida of TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's when it was where, where shows go to retire. Oh, TV man. Land. To relive their good old days. Yeah. Anyway. In 1988, the network launched the preschool education block Nick Jr. Mm. And it aired the inaugural Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Oh. Yeah, both... Both mainstays. I def- yeah. I watched plenty of that stuff when I was a kid. I, you know what? I'm realizing as you said that I've never been into award shows. I never sat through one of those. Oh, I, I, I watched too, like too many Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards. I just couldn't care, which is why I still don't watch the Oscars you or the Grammys who, or who hosted the first like ten Kids Choice Awards. Was it The Rock? No. Was it Ryan Seacrest? No. I don't think either of those people. <laughs> 1985. I don't know. The Rock was a young boy. He could. Well, it was. He was a kid. He was, it was young a Rock. choice. <laughs> no, it was Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, Rosie O'Donnell hosted of the uh, of Harriet the Spy fame. I guess Harriet the Spy was a Nickelodeon movie. Oh, I enjoyed mm. Harriet the Spy. Except tomato and mayonnaise sandwiches sound disgusting. In 1989, Nickelodeon launched its first original sitcom. Do you know what it was? Was it Harriet the Spy? It was not. It was Hey Dude. Oh, <laughs> about hey kids, dude. kids on a dude ranch, <laughs> which inexplicably ran for five seasons over the course of three years. <laughs> they doubled That's, double duty. They're just like mm, two half seasons. Go. Sort of, yeah. I, I saw that and I was like, five seasons in three years, huh? That's that's hardcore. <laughs> I mean, I guess every year has four seasons. That's a lot of hey, dude. That's a lot of dude, hey? Uh, So, by 1991, Nickelodeon was ready and able to fully commit to a full slate of original programming, including animation, which we'll get to a little later, and sitcoms. One of those shows was Clarissa Clarissa. Explains It All. You got it. Hey, 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 hey. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Uh, Clarissa was created by Mitchell Kriegman. Hey, cool. <laughs> who led a prolific career as a writer, filmmaker, video artist, and performance artist. Uh, Kriegman joined Saturday Night Live in 1980 as a writer and on-screen performer. He directed the Mousterpiece Theater for the Disney Channel in 1983. Blech. Boo. <laughs> he worked on HBO's Encyclopedia and NBC's Alf Tales in 1988. Was that like an animated Alf show? It was the Alf cartoon, yes. Well... And he produced Higgins, Boys, and Gruber for the comedy, the comedy channel in 1989. I have no idea. What I don't either. Higgins, Boys, and Gruber. That's one show. <laughs> Samson's and Sons and Uncles. 
Uh, Kriegman eventually moved to Nickelodeon, helping the network develop its expanding slate of new original programming. So he had his hand in everything, from cartoons to live action. And that brings us to Clarissa Explains It All. Clarissa. Clarissa Darling. Okay, I didn't choose the name. I wanted Jade, but by that time it was too late already. Anything without a last name would be better, like Martika or Madonna would have been great, but no one asked me. So that was Melissa Joan Hart as Clarissa Darling, introducing her new show, Clarissa Explains It All. Uh, Kriegman set to create a show centered on an offbeat, trend-setting character living a typical teenager's life, saying, quote, I thought if the other people knew what was going on in a 13-year-old girl's mind, it would be cool. They were really experimenting at that age. That's true. Yeah. They are. Did you connect with Clarissa as a young girl? I barely remember what I connected with last week. But yeah, definitely. Because I think even the things that I remember about her now, right? Or her like, not going behind her parents' back, but just like, I'm going to take care of my brother by myself. Like they're like rivalry and then her style obviously and just a lot you know there's a lot of stuff to that was going on with her that was like oh that's really cool and connect with i mean there are things that were harder to connect with but i guess like kriegman was trying to uh break out of the traditional sitcom girl mo like, mm-hmm. mold like yeah you know he was trying to present teenagers like teenagers right like sassy sarcastic independent had their own style yeah which is good. I think, you know, I wonder, like, I mean, I definitely think it's, like, a fresh take for the time. Um, but my brain is also like, was Degrassi a thing in Canada? Because yes. if it was, yeah, it was. We've looked through it. They, It was just America who was just kind of like, no, girls are soft and da-da-da-da. But, like, that's all the TV show that I was able, like, that was given to me as a kid. And yeah. just being able to see, like, a girl who's like, yeah, I'm not perfectly well she's, moderated all the time. She's not completely feminine and she's not completely a tomboy. Like, she's yeah. just a girl. Yeah. You know? uh, from what I, like, we were watching it and I thought, like, she's like the 90s Punky Brewster. Mm. You know, I, I didn't watch Punky Brewster. That was my older sister's, like, thing. Mm-hmm. Like, her generation. But, like, to have the, the little girl who, you know, dresses, like, fashion forward. Yeah. <laughs> and is into, like, weird punky things. Yeah. It's appealing. It is it's appealing. Fun. It's nice to have an alternative presentation. Alternative is perfect because this is the era of grunge. Yeah, as, as we talked about, like, <laughs> as you were very sad about. In yeah, our we didn't get music. to talk. We didn't get to talk about any 1991 grunge. Maybe someday. It was like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana were all breaking Hair it big. Of the dog. So she's not exactly dressed like a grunge person. Like she's not wearing flannel, but she is that. That tomboy. Yeah. Like, she's... I think we, we were watching something that someone's like, her... Um, style? Fashion? Her style, her fashion is fluid. It's just kind of like, it's not one or the other. It can be, depending on her mood, but that, like, she isn't necessarily beholden to just, like, the standard. Because there's sometimes where there's things like, oh, I really like that. I want it. Oh, I really like that, too. And you're like, okay, but there are two very different things. Like, and? Yeah. I am a complex person. Right. Anyway, production of the pilot episode of Clarissa Explains It All took place in September 1990, with season one production beginning February 1991. This show debuted in March. Whoa. I was like, that is swift. That's so swift. I'm like, man, Nickelodeon, I think you need to put 
you know, put the brakes on it. But I think they wanted to, you know, make 1991 big, you know? Yeah. That was a lot. That's a lot of work. That's special for the children actors. Yep. So I, I, I wrote that down. I thought that was insane. Yeah. But cool. Yeah. I hope those people uh, had Were safe working conditions. And well compensated. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but that's Clarissa Explains It All. Uh. Pretty interesting. Pretty easy. Production. I got some production notes and we'll as we'll go through the episode, but we're gonna talk about the first episode, which is called Clarissa's Revenge. So the episode starts and it introduces the like trademark Clarissa talking to the camera style format. Uh, Clarissa breaks the fourth wall. She talks straight to the audience and basically tells while the, in the bathroom. <laughs> she's in the yeah, she's in the bathroom and she tells viewers about her life and that's what the whole show is about. Like her. Presenting her views on the world as a teenage girl to the audience. She was the first vlogger. She, Tell me I'm wrong. She, she was a vlogger. But, you know, to an imaginary audience. <laughs> so she tells uh, the viewers a little bit about herself. Since we're going to be hanging out a lot, and I'm going to explain all the things that go on around here, I think you should know a few things about me. You know, my likes and dislikes. Okay, I like Twizzlers, Jawbreakers, and Sugar Bombs. John, the one without the glasses, and they might be giants. And driving. Everyone thinks I'm too young to drive, but I feel you have to start early if you really want to do something right. I like that they, the they're so um, liberal with the sound effects. Yeah, like, I didn't even really notice it watching the show, but actually putting these clips together, I'm like, you know, you'd hear guitar rock when she's talking about they might be giants mm-hmm. and she's talking you can hear the car zooming around when she's talking about wanting to drive yeah i also was thinking that i was like oh this is such an interesting experience um because obviously typically most this is a podcast so you guys don't really see what we see which is fine when it comes to music but it's very rare that this sound clips from something that we watch tell us even more like when we're not seeing it right and then we, we get a bit more with her dislikes okay I hate the kind of pixie haircuts your mom gives you at home. I hate tiny germs everywhere. And barf. Have you ever noticed how barf always tastes like orange juice and pizza? That's gross. I have not noticed that. <laughs> I, uh, that's one thing I don't care for, and this carries over to my show of 91. I don't like gross-out humor. Yeah. I don't like it, but Nickelodeon, like that was their thing. Yeah, it was. They love talking about barf and snot and poop. And uh, I'm, I'm like, not I, even you. even as a little kid, I wasn't down with that. <laughs> um, d- the Disney Channel, you, you don't find that too often. That's fair. On, on Nickelodeon, that they were all about it with green slime and boogers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was like, it doesn't bother me. It's fine, though. The, the flavor of it is gross. <laughs> it's very yeah. <laughs> and then we are introduced to Clarissa's family. Do you want to lay down who? Who exists in her family? Well, I think first and foremost, we may we meet Ferguson. Ah, Ferguson. And then there's me. Clarissa, the only abnormal child of two perfectly normal parents. Unless, of course, you count him. This is Ferguson, my brother. Morning, Ferface. That dork pie has been a burr on my butt since he was born. Why me, I ask myself. She's so sarcastic. She's just so quippy. I, I just want to say, like, herself. Melissa Joan Hart owns this. She does. She's so good as a little girl, like, a little kid actor. Yeah. I will also say, while we were watching it, I said this out loud, it was just like, there are moments where she does stuff, like her face 
makes me think of Billie Eilish. Like, it's like, <laughs> this could be Billie Eilish. <laughs> Billie explains it all. Billie explains it all. Oh my gosh, do a thing. <laughs> Except she really loves her brother, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Ferguson. He is a little dork. He is a little dweeb. He's a menace. That's what he is. He he is very much a menace, but the thing is, like, he's he's two-faced. So to Clarissa, and this might just be, like, we are seeing Clarissa's view of the world, like this unreliable strange lens. narrator. She's an unreliable narrator, so she hates her little brother, as many American children do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sibling rivalry is a thing. Yeah. Um, so she just is, like, constantly tormented by her little brother, who's, you know, annoying and, uh, and he also likes to, like, fight her. Antagonistic. <laughs> and very antagonistic. He's, like, always into her business. I, 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 I'm sure there's a, an episode where he reads her diary or something. Yeah. Um, he is the the latest in a long string of weird little brothers that we've talked about for this show. Yeah. I will say he's the most normal of them, though. Yeah. In a, in a way. Like, yeah. Like, we had the weird little brother in Better Off Dead and the weird little brother in yeah. Teen Witch and... We did we we didn't do an episode on Teen Witch, but <laughs> at least not yet. And uh, th- so the 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 A plot of this episode of Clarissa Explains It All is it's called Clarissa's Revenge because she's going to get revenge on Ferguson because Ferguson has humiliated her for the last time. For the last and time. And what did she do? What did he do? He uh, brought something he should not have to show and tell. Ferguson, that little bugger. It's going to pay the price for ultimate humiliation. Don't you think you're overreacting to a simple, embarrassing situation? Overreacting? What would you do? It was Tuesday, May 15th. I heard about it from my girlfriend, Judy. And now, Ferguson, what did you bring to show the class today? This Miss Engelberger is my sister's trainer. Two things about that clip. First thing, I think the version of this episode that we found edited out the word bra. Oh. He brought her training bra to class for show yeah. and tell. Um, they showed the training bra. They didn't... I, di- I, I can't hear him say the word bra in that clip. Oh. But he definitely says it. Yeah, he does. Anyway, uh, two, what the heck is a training bra? I'm a man, I don't know. <laughs> I literally have never encountered such a thing as a training bra. <laughs> i'm like looking you dead in the eye i was like wait is this is this, this is a real. bit is no, this, this is a bit? this is real what is that oh man it's um when a young girl starts to form breasts but is not big enough to fit in even the smallest cup but they still have movement and you go to school where apparently the patriarchy says that that's inappropriate you have to put them in stirrups it's basically just to train you to be uncomfortable. No, oh, okay. Well, th- thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so yes, uh, <laughs> this show went there. I think I'm sure that was a uh, that wasn't normal. Yeah, know, it's breaking certain norms about kids' television. Yeah, especially kids' television. I was yeah. like, that's that's something. That's a real thing that young girls put up with. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> and young Ferguson decided to humiliate her sister, and now she wants revenge. Which she wants to deserved. kill her. Like yes. she is 
there's there's no she's she's not mincing words she wants to kill her little brother i would like to kill him but also i don't want it to come back to me because i'm too young to go to juvie right (laughs) Uh, so another fact about ferguson before we jump on to the rest of her family uh he is two-faced right he puts up a front for their parents like he's you know such a good boy Good boy. A good studious boy who does his homework and is never getting into trouble. I will say he is bright. He's like one of the best in his class, but he's 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 smart but evil. Yes. This is him with the parents. So, what are you kids up to today? Well, mom, there's an important National Geographic documentary on the tribal customs of the Beamer Couscous Man of Papua New Guinea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought I might take some notes and write an extra report for class. Wouldn't you rather shoot a few hoops with your old dad? Gee, Dad, I'd love to play some basketball, but I think at this stage in my development, it's important to build a strong foundation in the applied anthropological sciences. Oh, Ferguson. I want to believe that the parents see right through him. Because, like, mom's like, oh, Ferguson. <laughs> oh, Ferguson. Also, can it just a quick second to say, like, those were a lot of lines with big words, and they shot these episodes in a month before it aired. They sure did, so... Good job, kid. Good job, Mr. Zimbler. <laughs> Young Zimbler. <laughs> um, but that's him. He's talking about watching National Geographic mm-hmm. and the people of Papua New Guinea to do an extra report for class. That's what he tells his parents. And then when Clarissa walks into the room later on, he's watching TV. This is what goes on. I didn't know the Beamer Couscous men of Papua New Guinea looked like Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. Buzz off, Bozo. Now, is that any way to talk to your loving older sister? What's this, a new whipped cream diet? You dark dimhead, you're spoiling my view of the screen. What do you want, anyway? Oh, just to be near you. <laughs> just to be near you. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's actually just watching cartoons and eating junk food, like any little boy is. Yeah. So he's two-faced. He is two-faced. And the funny thing of putting, like, the cherry on top of this characterization, I was looking at other facts about Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in another episode, it is established that he is a young Republican. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll leave that there. Oh, Ferg. <laughs> All right, but let's talk about the other members of the family. Both of them were introduced in one of those earlier clips. Oh, but yeah, right, who, right. who do you want to jump into uh, first? I believe we talked about mom first. So ladies first. Then there's my parents. It's not that I hate my family. It's just that, well, they're my family. Fair. Okay. There's my mom, Janet. She's a regular mom, pretty much. Except she works with kids. Little kids. She shows them stuff at the children's museum where she's in charge. He asked me to secret indoctrination tips to turn the little guys into morons. Oh, and she eats health food. She eats health food. Oh, and she eats health food. So that that's she is like to me the the modern like yuppie mom. Yeah, you know, is all into like new age stuff and health Vegan, foods, gluten free. Yeah, and not for dietary reasons. Restrict like it's like ethical reasons. She wants to be hip. Yeah. Both her parents want to be hip, it seems like. They're they always trying. They're always they they are good parents and they want to connect with their children. Yeah. Like you heard it with dad. Like is he want to play some hoops with your old man? You yeah. Know? Like they're they're constantly want to be involved with their parents, but they're like trying too hard and it weirds Clarissa out. Yeah. And she's also a moody teenager, so like no- Yeah, I was like I was like I'm sure she would have been into it, but she's 13 now, so. There's no winning. Yeah. No winning. And I think like you're right because both of the parents work. They have like full-time jobs of some sort. And so they're like taking time to, you know, hey, let's do some stuff. Hey, you want to join me for da-da-da-da-da? Like, what are you doing today? Yeah. How's school? All, it's very important to communicate with your children. Yeah. See what they're going on about. Yeah. 
It is! Oh, I forgot that this is literally the episode we're gonna talk about. <laughs> Hi, as not parents, let's tell them, let's tell you how to take care of your kids. We were kids once, we know how to be kid. I was kid not too long ago. <laughs> I know how to be parented. <laughs> Alright, but let's talk about dad. Okay, then there's my dad, Marshall. Dad's an architect. That means he makes lots of drawings and visits empty lots in his Jeep. <laughs> Usually he builds houses in weird shapes. He's a modern architect. I'm really glad we can't afford to live in any of those houses. I will say, some of the houses they showed off that her dad has built, I'd be like, I'd live in that house. The salty house? There's a giant salt shaker-shaped house. There's uh, an upside-down pyramid house. There's a house shaped like an old rotary phone. Yep. I'm like, that's like early 90s like weirdness that I can get behind. No. <laughs> there's like early 90s postmodernism. I don't know if there's a proper word for it. You know, that, that aesthetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That early 90s aesthetic with the squiggly lines and the <clears throat> geometric shapes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes, you and do. I want I want my house to look like no. That. <laughs> you can have a shed out back, and you can build it however you want. Speaking of the way things look, I want a room just like Clarissa's room. <laughs> Let's talk about Clarissa's room because, <laughs> uh, like, after she introduces her whole family, and we, we get a little taste of her home life, she goes into her room and continues to do whatever it is that she does. Explain it all, <laughs> right? She continues to be teen, but her room is so awesome. Did you like it? I did. Do you want to decorate the the podcast room like this? She had like you know weird cult uh, band posters. She mm-hmm. had jalapeno string lights. Oh, you really enjoyed those. You lava those. lamps and weird wallpaper and uh, all what other stuff? I, I can't even. It, it was just, just overwhelming. It was just lots of color. Uh, a nice computer chair, <laughs> desk, big open window, like the decorations in general. Like there's like a mix of like fluffy stuffed animals and like harder like plastic toys. Like there's just a lot. Yeah, it's it's a very loud room. Yes, but it's, it's very loud. It's like I, I assume it's what every kid wanted their room to be. Fair. So I, I guess Krieg, Kriegman, the creator, when he set out to design her room, he told the designer, I don't want it to be too girly. I don't want it to be too feminine, right? And mm-hmm. I guess that was a point of contention because everyone on the team was still trying to fit into the traditional sitcom right. mold. And this is a this is a show about a little girl. She's got to have a little girl room. Yeah. And Kriegman said the designer was very upset at first because he wanted to design a very girly room. And I said, okay, you can have you can design her girly room. And so they did. It was pink. And then I said, now we're going to take card paint and paint black checkers all across the walls. <laughs> And they were in shock. I mean, there was a cameraman who said, what is she, possessed by the devil? <laughs> and there legit is large black checker marks all across her girly flower yeah, this wallpaper. True. And it also, I would like to note, they're not like clean, even squares, right? So you could in your mind be like, oh, Clarissa painted this herself. But really, it kind of seems like they didn't want to do it. And they were like, well, if we do it ugly enough, he'll make us paint over it and it'll be more sensible. And he was just like, no, it's fine. (laughs) It legit looks like Clarissa at some point in her life when she became a teenager, she had childhood girly flower wallpaper that she then painted over when she got old enough to be like, no, I don't want this girly stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Um, Another fact about this room is like on a technical level, um, this was like a house of magic tricks almost like on a te- for the cameraman apparently this room was designed to be th- this room was designed to be very elaborate 
in terms of shooting possibilities. So mm. they designed it where there were like secret compartments everywhere so they can film the room from every angle. Nice and scary. So, quote, there was a wild closet that we can shoot from the inside of. We can shoot from outside the window, outside the door, through the dollhouse, from under the bed, from inside the chest at the foot of her bed, anywhere. And I was like, that's so cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I would have, I, man, I just want to explore it. I, it's too bad <laughs> like, that Universal Studios Florida, like the, the Nickelodeon Studios, is shut down. Mm-hmm. We can't go explore. Would they have? Would, did they have that as an attraction? Back in the, like, from what I understand, back in the day, if you lived in Florida near Orlando, oh, you could go and to watch. You, you, know, you can go and, like, watch and be in the studio audience. Oh, yeah. And then I assume also maybe explore the back lot. I don't know. I, I doubt they would allow you on that very expensive set. True. <laughs> you hide a purple flower. But it is really cool. Yeah. We should build a room like that. I want jalapeno string lights in this house. I'm telling you. (laughs) All right. One day. It's your birthday month. I I can do that. Jalapeno. Jalapeno face. Jalapeno house. (laughs) Who's the next person we're introduced to? Sam. Sam is Clarissa's best friend. That's Sam. We're buds. Sam's going through an awkward stage. You know, waiting for those hormones to kick in. His dad's a single father. A sports writer. Sam always feels neglected. Some kids have all the luck. They always have pizza for dinner. I get extra cheese. So uh, Sam gets the B-plot. Mm-hmm. And this was... Uh, so we watched a, a really fun YouTube video on Clarissa's Explained It All uh, by the YouTube channel Pushing Up Daisy. No, right. Pushing Up Roses. Right. Pushing Up Roses. Pushing Up Daisy is a TV show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she uh, went in depth on the making of the show. And something that she enlightened us on was... When Kriegman was developing the show, he wanted to turn the sitcom format on its head, where mm-hmm. with a traditional sitcom, your A-plot is usually the more sentimental one, mm-hmm. the one that's about you know teaching a lesson, you right, know, right. if it's a kid's show, like teaching about responsibility or family or yeah, love yeah. or inclusiveness, it's right? It's the didactic one. Right. And then the B-plot is usually the lighthearted, lighthearted fun one. <clears throat> so with Clarissa, he wanted the A-plot to be more fun and lighthearted. So that's how we get Clarissa... Wanted to kill her brother. <laughs> right. And the B-plot is the one that's a little bit more serious and yeah, yeah. emotional. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Honestly, I was at first when we like listened to that, I was like, I don't know if the B-plot was emotional. But re-listening to that thing where she was explaining like, Sam uh, ha- is in a single parent household and his dad works a lot. And so, you know, he's neglected. Literally like... Kind of making fun of it, but just saying like, yeah, he usually eats alone and always has pizza. And I was just like, actually, actually, that's, hey, hey, Sam, are you okay? No wonder, we'll get to Sam. But like, no wonder some of these things, Sam, like nobody's taught you reasons. We'll get to that. But like the plot, his plot specifically is like, I don't, do you have a clip for it? I do. Okay. His plot specifically is. His, he needs, his dad wants to be proud of him. Yeah. Dad made a bet. Your dad lost a bet to the mafia, and now they're gonna wipe you guys out in a spray of bullets. That's so cool! Oh, maybe not. No, worse. He bet the other sports writer at the dispatch that I could make the football team. Try to start first thing tomorrow morning. But Sam, you can't leave. Think of your friends. You're my only friend. That's what I mean, think of me. (laughs) Besides, maybe you'll make the team. So yes, his dad bet the other sports writers that his son could make the football team. Right. And Sam is like not a sports kid. He's not a jock. He's whatever Clarissa is. <laughs> a punk. He's a punk boy. He's a punk guy. Grunge boy. Grunge boy. 
and he he doesn't want to play football, and so he spends the whole episode working with Clarissa to try and get out of it, right? Um, get out of playing football, but then he is constantly wrestling with the fact that his dad has never been more proud of him. Yeah, because he wants to join the football team. <laughs> you don't understand. Those guys will squash me like a bug. Don't you realize that the only thing worse than humiliating my dad is if I make the team? I don't get it. That torpedo head Wally Betterman would kick my butt every day. Oh, you're right. So yeah, he doesn't want to join the team because he's going to get beat up every day. But then... He if, also wants that acknowledgement from his father, who's absent most of the time. But then he recognizes that if he does get on the team and does like end up just you know getting his butt kicked by the other players, he's going to humiliate his dad even more. Yeah. Because he's not a good football player. Yeah. The struggle is real, it Sam. Is. Poor As Sam. a boy who also hated sports, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so those are the two plots. Uh, Clarissa is trying to formulate a weird plan on how to get revenge on her little brother for humiliating her in class. And then Sam is trying to get out of football. And these two plots... Intersect. In a way. Yeah. In a way. Well, no, they totally intersect because Sam's like, help me figure this out. And she's like, sure, I will. But first, help me get rid of my brother. Right. (laughs) So what's the plan? The plan is to get lots of very big balloons, fill them with helium, tie them, put the brother in a construction coat. What is that called? Straight Uh, jacket. Straight jacket. Hook the balloons to him and send him into the stratosphere. Right. Solid plan. And to, to 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 show the audience how this all works, Clarissa has used her 90s, like, Tandy computer <laughs> to program a video game to simulate what it would be like. Oh, I forgot to show you. I worked up a little animated simulation of my plan for Ferguson. I think you just can't have too many balloons. First, I get Ferguson into the straight jacket. Don't ask me how. Meanwhile, you're outside with the balloons. See, that's your hand holding the balloons. That doesn't look much like me. I told you this is a simulation. Now, as soon as I push him out the door, you hook him up. Next thing you know, he's floating away forever. Pretty soon, he'll be sighted as a UFO. With any luck, E.T. will take him home. That E.T. line got a huge laugh from the (laughs) studio audience, by the way. Yeah. Pop culture references. They're all in there. Um, But, yes, Clarissa has created her own video game <laughs> that you can, like, Sam is in there playing it, of trying to hook balloons to her little brother who's running in a straitjacket. So not only is Clarissa, like, fashion forward and, you know, sarcastic and independent, but she's also good with computers, yeah. which I'm sure a lot of 90s kids wish they could be. Yeah. I, my family, we had, we had a PC mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, but, like... My parents did know how to knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. They had no idea how to use it. We didn't have we didn't have a word processor until oh. I was in middle school. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the computer was always this like fantastical device that <laughs> you know I wish I knew how to use better. Yeah. So like, I had to get my aunt to teach me how to install games on the computer <laughs> and stuff like that. That's so cute. Yeah. I think like right we had a computer. It was chilling in our kitchen so it was just the one right like just the one big old macintosh or something of i had hers in a room yeah i was like what kind of rich (laughs) (laughs) hey architecture and teaching used to pay pretty good back then (laughs) in the midwest somewhere 
And that's not that's not the only thing that she, Clarissa does with her computer. She also forges a fake document. Like, oh yeah, like like straight up Photoshop from 1991. She really does. Then there's my dad. He's totally hyped. He said that me trying out is the best thing that's happened to him since the divorce with mom. Ooh. I can't go through another day of this. Don't worry, you won't have to. After we take care of Ferguson, we'll wrap you up in the bandages, and you'll take this little note I printed out on my new Doctor Sports medical diagnostic software. Have to think about football again. Whoa, this looks authentic. Who's paying for these softwares? She she made them. Maybe I don't know. She's like my new Doctor Sports they software. Didn't, I guess she could have coded that. She could have women in coding. What yeah. is what is it? Because my brain wants to say women in STEM, but that's not what it is. I don't know. But like she she either coded it herself or she like like the, the internet wasn't really a thing in 1991. She didn't have Kazaa. Kazaa. I have no idea what that is. It's like LimeWire. You download oh. files. So that wasn't even a thing yet. Oh, yeah. So she had to have like got it from the black market. Like someone gave her a, a floppy disk or she something. She just figures it out. Girls who code. She can do it. Like that. So yeah, she she forges a medical note for... Her friend. Ferguson, for, for not Ferguson. Sam. Yeah. The, the plan is to get Sam bandaged up to make it seem like he's too hurt to play football. Right. Which is a legitimate strategy. Yes. I've heard stories of uh, a dude wanted to get out of uh, gym class. So when someone passed him a basketball during gym class, he just said, I can't do it anymore. He stuck his hands out, fingers out, fully extended. And, let <laughs> and the, they jammed? And, <laughs> and the basketball struck his hand and broke his hand. I don't like it. I don't like it. Oh, everything in my... I'm so tense now. Mm, don't he, do that, kids. He did it on purpose so he didn't have to go to gym class. That's stupid. In my head, I'm like, that guy's, a, that guy's brilliant. No. <laughs> No brilliance. I wish I, I wish I could have got out of gym class. It was the worst. No. Left hand or right hand? Was it his dominant hand? I don't know. I hope it wasn't, but it probably was. I've never broken any bones, and I would never do so solidly for a reason. Ugh. I feel like by this point in the episode, after both of these plots have been fully explained and like the plans have been laid out, like we have five minutes and neither plan works. Yeah. I don't even have clips of them wrapping wrapping themselves up. It's just like... She gets Ferguson in the straitjacket. He runs outside, but the balloons are too heavy for Sam to hold, and he ends up just flying off himself. Yeah, Sam was anchoring himself on the like the door, and then when Clarissa opened the door to get Ferguson out, he like let go, and it just up. <laughs> up Sam went into the trees, and then he ended up falling from a great height and breaking his arm, which got him out of football. Yeah. Um, so plot B was solved. Plot A... Not really. They'll they'll live to fight another day, Ferguson <laughs> and Clarissa. Well, I mean, technically, she felt um, justified because at the very end, Ferguson got his first pimple. And oh, uh, that's right. Clarissa was like, "Ha ha ha ha! Take that! That's embarrassment you're gonna have going to school." I mean, okay. I mean, you didn't kill your brother, so <laughs> that's right. She she sets up a, a secret camera in his room that records him while he sleeps. So weird. And she plays it on her VHS. Yeah. VHS, uh, VCR. Kids don't record anyone. No. Well, without their consent or knowledge. And that is the first episode of Clarissa Explains It All. Very style over substance, I think. I, yeah. I think the, the plots are fun, and yeah. these are very charismatic kids. Like, they're all of the kids do a great job, mm-hmm. and the parents seem likable. Yeah. And <clears throat> But the thing that really carries the show are all of the extra elements. Mm-hmm. Like... We talked about the sound effects, and this show constantly has animation everywhere. Yeah, it's um, always like a moving screen. Yeah, I have I have an ep- I have a clip called uh, uh, the Morning Report or the Morning Update. 
Um, this happens the the night after uh, Clarissa sets out to get her revenge on right. Ferguson. Okay, here's an update on what's happened so far this morning. It began hours earlier as Mom exploded half a dozen eggs in the microwave, trying to make minute eggs. She's moved on to tofu. Dad spent the whole time reading the same page of the dispatch. And Berghead, my crud of a brother, is sucking up to Mom. So as the, she's saying this, there is a legit news anchor update window mm-hmm. on the screen. Instant replays and like, you know, I, I think like even a, like a crawl at the bottom, right? Yeah. So apparently to pull off all of these graphics on a sitcom for children, it was a lot harder than you would think it would be in 1991. Apparently Kriegman had to hire an actual news graphics artist. Oh, like yeah. He had, he had to recruit an actual person who had worked on this stuff for the news just to do these funny gags on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that man was Don St. Mars. And he used a fancy computer called a Quantel paint box to make all this stuff happen. It was a giant tablet. Yeah, I've seen it. It's as big as the table we're on. It's as big as a whale. <laughs> Look at the tablet. It's as big as a whale. <laughs> and it cost $150,000 to operate. And they used it to create fake news updates and draw like fun graphics and, and like bullet points yeah and, yeah yeah uh animations and all this fun stuff uh <clears throat> it reminded me of the john madden football graphics oh yeah i looked it up that's called a telestrator <laughs> <laughs> so john madden used to like you know to to lay out a football game um you know like football formations mm-hmm. like and he'd use his pencil to draw digital like markings to show the plays on on a football right on, on a football uh game that's what all of this stuff reminded me of. And there's a point in this episode where it straight up shows a football play and it does the telestrator animation. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sure this is the first time you saw this on a kid's sitcom. Yeah. Or any sitcom. Yeah. So where it's just like, oh, that's a high budget thing that you're throwing at kids. And like, don't worry. The kids will appreciate it. Right. And we do. I do. And then, oh, because I didn't mention it earlier, all of Clarissa's video games and you watch more of the show to die. Did she continue to have video yeah, games throughout yeah. the show? Like every episode, there's a new video Not game? Not every episode, but yeah, it was a consistent thing. So those games were designed by Tim Burns, who was like a frequent collaborator with Mr. Kriegman on their comedy That's outings. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And here's, here's another thing. Those video game clips, they didn't quite look like video games at the time, but they weren't too far off, especially of PC games, you know? <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. you see really crappy, like, video game depictions in shows of this era. Mm-hmm. This one at least had 8-bit music and yeah. like, weird MIDI sound effects, and it looked like a game. Yeah. It didn't look like a cartoon. I wonder if we could find it on, like, uh, Nick.com if we use the oh Wayback Machine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, do you know what the first website I visited was? What? When I first had access to the internet. I had never had the internet before. The first thing that I looked up was amandaplease.com. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest, who among us didn't go to that site? Amandaplease.com was the Amanda Show uh, web- website that one of the characters... Amanda, please. She constantly had a website about Amanda Just Bynes. show, yeah. yeah. And so, because that was the only website that I had heard of, it made sense to want to go to amandaplease.com. Yeah. And that had weird, crappy Flash games... Like the one seen in Clarissa Explains It All. I believe so that. The DNA of Clarissa had to have lived on in the Amanda show and all yeah. that and all those other Nickelodeon shows. Yeah. 
That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> also, just on Amanda, the Amanda show, I freaking loved Moody's Point. I can't even remember how that Dawson's ended. Dawson's Creek. Yes! I can't remember how it ended, but I remember going like, this is so stupid. Why can't I stop watching it? It's so good. I think I'm just going to look it up on YouTube and watch the whole thing. Amanda show is good. That's probably Amanda, one of my runners up. Amanda, Amanda. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's do Amanda, a mashup. Amanda, please. <laughs> Amanda, please. <laughs> hey, that's, hey, cool. <laughs> that's Calista Explains It All. You recommend it? I do. We didn't talk about the one thing that I really wanted to talk about, though. What's that? The fact that Sam does not use doors. Oh, yes. Sam uses a ladder to get into Clarissa's room constantly. Constantly. Which is a little creepy, but they never draw any attention to how creepy it is. Um, And then Sam doesn't use the door to get into her house proper. Like, if they're all sitting at the kitchen table, he just walks in through the window. Yeah. Janet, you remember, don't you, my early gridiron days? I was second string, of course, but uh, I was determined. Why doesn't that kid ever use the door? So, yeah. He literally, do- he like, they were having breakfast, and then Sam comes in through the kitchen window. It's it's like a bay window. It's really big because rich, They're rich. Midwestern he may- maybe people. Maybe he designed it himself. Uh-huh. He architected it. And he like comes in, talks, and then... Him and Clarissa are like, oh, yeah, we have plans. We're going to do stuff today. Okay, bye. Clarissa walks out of the kitchen through the kitchen door, and Sam exits through the kitchen window. Like, you guys were going somewhere. What are you doing? What are you? He's a vampire. He was invited in, but he can't use the front door. It's one of those. It's it's great humor because it's absurd, like a cartoon, right? And this mm-hmm. the show very much is like a live action cartoon. Yeah. Um, But it's also grounded enough that it looks a little odd. Yeah. So... It's also self-aware that the characters call out to it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, several layers of humor, which I appreciate. Yeah. And uh, I like that Clarissa is constantly breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. and looking at the camera and pointing out things that don't make sense. I want to say that I think, like, along with the things with, with Sam, though, um, just diving into, like, hmm, let's just do it. Um, it makes me think, well, one, right? If he's neglected, single father, blah, blah, blah. Not saying that you are neglected if you have a single parent, but, you know, the way he said that you should use doors. And two, Clarissa has been his best friend for the longest time, and maybe they treated her room as a clubhouse, and that's why he, like, came in through a ladder. And, like, it looks like a, it's eclectic like a clubhouse. It is. You know, like a treehouse, rather, you know? So yeah. I'm just like, eh, it could get behind it. It's fun. It is. I can't remember if he continues to do it, though, like for the five seasons. It looks like they did, because it's a constant part of the set. <laughs> that's that's fair, but I guess my thing is just kind of like, at some point she's like an adult teen. Bro, don't be climbing through her window. Call first. <laughs> well, let's talk about where Clarissa went from here. So, Clarissa explains it all. Ran for five seasons of 65 episodes, ending its run in 1994. Do you have any remembrances of where the show went from here? I don't, actually. Clarissa and Sam, they never got together? No, they did not. They they were platonic friends through and through. I love fully platonic friendships. Thank you for never dating. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not even People joking. shouldn't date. People shouldn't date! <laughs> <laughs> Only date if you're ready. <laughs> How was Clarissa Explains It All received? Well... The series was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Children's Programming in 1994, but it lost to CBS School Break Special. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Me neither. <laughs> um, Hart O'Neill and Zimbler, who plays uh, 
you know, Clarissa, Sam, and, and Ferguson. Right. Received multiple Young Artist Award nominations with Hart win, winning three Competitive Young Artist Award, as well as the association's honorary Former Child Star Award in 2013. Oh. For, for Clarissa. Uh, Clarissa ran on Nickelodeon's new Saturday Night Teen Block Snick starting in season two. Snick. Snick. Remember Snick? No. I do. There's Snickers? a big old, big old, big old orange couch. Nope. Don't remember Snick. And then it became Teen Nick. I remember Teen Nick. Uh, reruns of the show continued to air sporadically on Nick and its spinoff networks, including Teen Nick, mm-hmm. the actual network Teen Nick right. cable, uh, The N, and The Splat. Cable got weird. I feel like <laughs> there's like seven co- uh, Nickelodeon networks now. Is the Splat a real thing? Yes, I think they only play old '90s Nickelodeon content. Yeah, but like the Splat is okay. Forget it. Continue. It's you gotta you gotta crank out that content. Yeah, gotta break in the content. Ratings. Content. In 1994, Clarissa and the Straight Jackets, which I assume was her band, <laughs> uh, released the album "This Is What Nana Means." <laughs> The, I'm going to look up the lyrics for that right now. The record was a collaboration between Rachel Sweet, who did the theme song, uh, Tony Bat- Badaglia, and Kriegman with Hart on lead vocals. So, that's cool. That is cool. There was a Clarissa-inspired board game. Why? I don't know. Uh, a pilot for a follow-up series titled Clarissa was shot for CBS in 1995, but it was not picked up. Wait, uh, but who was it going to be? It would have been Melissa Joan Hart. Oh. It would have been a continuation on CBS. Oh. The the series would have involved Clarissa's internship at a New York City newspaper. Okay. Yeah. And apparently they showed the they showed the pilot twice on Nickelodeon after the original series was, had ended its production. So mm. there there was a continuation of Clarissa Explains It All sort of as this aired pilot on Nickelodeon. That's weird. Yeah. In 2015, Mitchell Kriegman wrote a novel titled Things I Can't Explain, a Clarissa novel, <laughs> which follows Clarissa at 26 living in New York City. That's cute. Yes. I wouldn't read it, but that's cute. <laughs> I don't know what the the target demographic is. Is it for young adults? Is it for 20-somethings? I'm not sure. In 2002, Hart said that she would not be interested in a cast reunion project, saying, quote, No, Shirley Temple taught me one thing. And that was once you finish your career, you move on. Okay. However, oh, in March 2018, The Hollywood Reporter reported that a revival of the show was in early development in Nickelodeon. Hart will reportedly reprise her role as the title character, who is now a mother, and she will serve as an executive producer on the series alongside the original series creator, Kriegman, who is in talks to also write the show. I mean, I get that, it's like going back, but like not you're not reprising the role in the same sense. It's like the Fuller House, or like Girl uh, Meets World. Clarissa gets explained too. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm looking up the lyrics to the me- meaning of na na na. What do you got? Miscellaneous. This is what na 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 means. Wake up now, my purple boy. Here's your cup of rain. Spill the joy. Where's Tim- Timbuktu? Can you find Afghanistan? Hey, look, the sun is out. They're all. That's all we really understand. This is a happy land. Na, 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 na. Speaking of purple, <laughs> I, we, I, I didn't say this earlier, but there was like, we heard a story about the, the, the series creator, uh, Mitchell Kriegman. Apparently, like, he had learned long ago, like, when you're a, when you're a creator, if you're a, like, you know, an executive producer on a show, if you're running the show, you need to basically assert your dominance early. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to create an arbitrary rule that you strictly enforce and never, never explain <laughs> never explain it. 
So for Clarissa explains it all, his arbitrary rule was no purple in the show. Not in the sets, not in the costuming, and it was just a power play. That's it. <laughs> so that's interesting that there was, what was that purple line from that song? I know, right? Purple boy? Uh, hold on. I put it away. Um, my purple boy, here's your cup of rain, spill the joy. Oh, dear. Well, explain that, Corilla. What's that? Wow. Part of me wants to close the this, close this segment with that now. <laughs> Either way, you know what? I think what I'll do is I will insert the theme song when we first introduce the segment, and we're going to close out with the song. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to close out with um, This Is What Nana Means by Clarissa and the Straight Jackets. Yes. So that is what we'll be closing out with. That's Clarissa Explained It All. Do you recommend it? Yes. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the thing. You won't be able to find it legally. I think you can buy individual episodes on iTunes or Amazon. There you go. So, But you should watch it. And I assume it's airing every day on the splat. <laughs> so if you, have, if you have satellite cable, why not? Give it a chance. Uh, I also recommend it. It seems like a pretty like charming little show yeah. from the 90s. It's a time capsule. It is oozing with 90s nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and it seems like Clarissa's a pretty cool character. Agreed. And Sam's a pretty cool character. And it seems like she was a positive role model for young children. Yeah. Do it, kids. Uh, With that, we're going to close out, and we'll be back after the break with my show of 1991. Woo! So we'll return after these messages. Clarissa explains. Me, Clarissa. First of all, I can deal with just about anything. Fark face, worms, mom's tofu sundaes. Even when I panic, it's cool panic. May I be excused to freak out? I'm not allowed to drive until I'm old enough to get my license. Parents are such sticklers for the law. And the 95,000 Christmas cards? Well, um... I can explain. Clarissa explains it all every Sunday at 6.30, 5.30 Central. On Nickelodeon. Hey, we're back with more Nickelodeon action. I don't recognize this theme song. What is it? It's from uh, Carpet Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Ankle biters. Oh, dear. Well, that is my show of 1991. It is uh, <laughs> a cartoon. Oh. Really, every one of my shows has been a cartoon yes. at this point. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Debuting August 11th on Nickelodeon, featuring the voice talents of E.G. Daly, Christine Cavanaugh, Kath Susie, and Cheryl Chase, created by Arlene Clasco, Gabor Shupo, and Paul Germain, we have Rugrats. <sighs> Rugrats was the second of the first three Nicktoons. So, oh. yes. Can you name the first three Nicktoons? So, what was the first Nicktoon? Rocket Power is not in there, right? No, that is way off. <laughs> um, 
Oh, Nicktoons. I don't know. Were they all? They all, really, they all debuted on the same night, and they... Were they all Ru- Klasky Chupo? No, Klasky Chupo only did Rugrats, and that was number, it was number two on the, of the night. I don't know, because my brain is saying a whole bunch of other stuff that I know takes place in different years. No, the first Nicktoon was Doug. Oh, Disney's Doug. Not, <laughs> not, not quite, not Disney's <laughs> Doug yet. And then number two was Rugrats, and number three was Ren and Stimpy. Oh. Yep. Was Ren and Stimpy a, a net... A, a nit, 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 Nickelodeon original? Nickelodeon, yes. Really? It was a Nicktoon, yep. Really? Yep, and then... Uh, but it's so racy. The, that's why it was... So here's the deal. It was <laughs> a little crass. A little. A little edgy. And then the creator is a monster uh, who overworked his, his people. Uh, also uh, did terrible things to his people. And it's just kind of a bad human being. So the show was slow to get production done so episodes would just you know appear suddenly it take forever to get and Nickelodeon like got sick of his crap and they canceled that show and then it got you know moved around and I think it ended up on Comedy Central Mm. in a more even adult centered show yeah it's pretty adult yeah Ren and Stimpy not my jam Mm. we talked about like gross out humor stuff like that it's like people people not for you not for me people like to talk about Ren and Stimpy being like the best of the three Nicktoons and I think from like Maybe if you're like an old school cartoon fan, the animation's better. Yeah. The the artistry, I guess, if you want to be pretentious about it, is there. <laughs> but Rugrats has a bunch of like gross out humor in it, but mm-hmm. it's just charming enough that I'm like, I-, I think Rugrats is my favorite of the first three Nicktoons. Yeah, I get. Ugh. I don't like early Rugrats, but I do enjoy Rugrats at more than all the rest. It, it had the it had legs, and I mentioned that like this era, 1991, was the era before I got into Nickelodeon. Right, L- Rugrats happened to be long running, so by the time I got into Nickelodeon, Rugrats was still airing and was still like. Prominent. Very, very prominent. It was the showrunner. Yeah. It, it kind of was like the, the number one program in Nickelodeon, I yeah. think. So let's get into it, man. It's what I think of when I think of Nickelodeon. Like, not, before I even think of Splat, like, the uh, the gre- the orange Nickelodeon, like, Splat with Nick in it, mm-hmm. I think of Rugrats. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Rugrats. Where did this thing come from? So, Nickelodeon had tried to produce its own original animation programming since the 70s, but it wasn't until the late 80s, under the leadership of Geraldine Laybourne, that the network developed its philosophy toward original content and began work on its own cartoons. So, Laybourne and her team identified contemporary cartoons as merchandise-driven and overly commercial. She's talking about He-Man, Transformers. Yeah. And so the group decided that Nickelodeon should aim for the exact opposite, producing cartoons that would keep their creators in a key creative role rather than prioritizing the efficient assembly line process. Mm. Um, They also decided that they did not want a consistent look like Disney did. So we've talked a lot about Disney Channel's like cartoons, Mm -hmm. DuckTales, Winnie the Pooh, Rescue Rangers, right? Those all had a very house style. Right. Nickelodeon, they said, no, we want every show to look different. We want every show to have its own identity. This is very true, which is why Chalk Zone is one of my favorite things. I don't care that you don't like it. I didn't like Chalk Zone. Specifically, they searched for projects that had completely different styles from each other. Laybourne tasked Nickelodeon executive Vanessa Coffey with accepting pitches from local Los Angeles artists and animators. Eight pitches were approved for six-minute pilots, and three were ultimately selected for expansion into full series. One of those pitches was Rugrats. Nice. 
I honestly want to speak on the like scouting for different styles and stuff. One, when we eventually start our production company, that's what I want to do. We're just like, this is very different from what we already have. Let's try it. Let's take a risk. That sounds so cool. But also I specifically remember, I know you don't like Chalk Zone, but one of the reasons I remember like liking it was like there was a competition where there was just like, hey kids, draw your own like panel board and blah, 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 and send it in. And like, that was like a kid's idea. And they were like, hey, can we use your show? I'm, I'm sure they paid that child, <laughs> that child's family. But unless like I'm misremembering and it wasn't actually a kid's thing, but there was some, there was like segments where they were just like, hey, it's a competition. Like, See what you Nickel- what you can control. We talked about Kablam and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nickelodeon they had a pilot program. They invested in in young artists, yeah, and like young animators, hungry animators. They said, "Hey, make something for us." Yeah, and like, even if the pilot didn't work out, they still you know packaged it together into a little variety show and showed them all off. And that's how like Family Guy started out as one of those. Yeah, mm. Family Guy started out as a cartoon about a dude and his dog mm-hmm. that was created by. Uh, Seth Green? S- Seth McFarland. Okay. <laughs> it was one um, of the Seths. And they aired that on Nickelodeon as part of, I think, Kablam or what a cartoon or whatever it was that they mm-hmm. were doing. Um, and then, you know, he ended up repurposing that for his show Family Guy. And that was the kind of, they invested in artists, which I is cool. I love that so much. It's what Netflix does right now. Netflix just, just for, for the most part, invests in the creators and gives creative control over to its people. Mm-hmm. It will cancel those shows after three seasons consistently, but at the very least, they still allow creators to create. Yeah, which I think is so good. That, like, that gives you a, a, a leg up. In the, like, that somebody takes a chance on you, right? Like, as artists, you and I, right? Like, right. that somebody would look at one of our, our works and just say, like, that's a choice. Let's see what you do given, like more ability to make choices. That's just so empowering. Yes. Let's talk about the people behind Rugrats. Animation power couple Arlene Klasky and Gabor Shupo formed Klasky Chupo Productions in 1982. Mm. Uh, Husband and wife team. Like us. Yep. Both uh, Jewish American and they they had a very like artistic style about them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for the next several years, the company built a strong reputation for their work on logo designs, film trailers, TV show titles, and the like. Cool. So they were like design people. Yeah. In 1987, Klasky Chupo was hired by James L. Brooks of Gracie Films to produce the title sequence for comedy series Tracy Ullman Show. When I say the word The Tracy Ullman Show, does that ring a bell to you? No. Does that... Should it? To some people, when I say the word Tracy Ullman show, they might also think The Simpsons. Oh. <laughs> because in addition to the title, the company was given the opportunity to produce an animated, a series of animated shorts for the show starring a little family called The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Well. Created by... Uh, Chupo's friends. No, Matt Groening. <laughs> so The Simpsons were the breakout stars of The Tracy Ullman Show and were given their own show on Fox in 1989. Class- and it's still running. Yes, it is. It was just renewed for two more seasons. What? Like this month. And Klasky Chupa produced the first three th- seasons of The Simpsons. Oh, wow. Yeah. That explains the art. <laughs> the art has changed over the years. The art has changed. Um, like, Klasky Chupo, their, what you consider the Klasky Chupo style, I don't think started until Rugrats. Okay. The very... Ugly characters. It's very ugly. Lumpy heads. Oh, and, so lumpy. Yeah. Like, you see it in... All real monsters, Duck, rocket power, rocket power, Duckman. Yeah, I which like is so interesting because I was like, I dislike, I love Rugrats and it's probably nostalgia, and I didn't dislike 
all real monsters. Again, I know you didn't like it. I but didn't I was, like it. But I was like, I didn't mind it. I watched it, but I hated Rocket Power specifically because I thought it was so ugly. But it all, it's probably the cleanest of the three shows. Klasky Chupo has a, has a style and it's very ugly. Yeah. It, it's, but it's got personality. It's that, it does that have, yes. <laughs> so when Nickelodeon announced their plans for Nicktoons, Klasky Chupo and producer Paul Germain decided to pitch a show inspired by Klasky and Chupo's infant sons. So they were young parents. They had just had two, you know, I think two or three sons. They were all little babies and they just were like, they just like watch their babies and they're like, oh, babies are weird. Babies are weird. <laughs> like babies just do like, they're just like so dumb. They're so unlearned. They must right. be and, and, you know, Everything's new to a baby. Everything is fantastical. So they tried to put their, they tried to put themselves in the shoes of their babies. Yeah. You know, like what does the world look like to a baby? And mm-hmm. that's where the show came from. Yeah. The six-minute pilot produced for Regrets was called Tommy Pickles and the Great White Thing. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess on what the Great White Thing was? Snow. It was a toilet. Oh. <laughs> that's the, the potty humor of Regrets. Yeah, that's fair. From, it was there from the start. <laughs> so the, the, that aired, and the feedback for the pilot was primarily positive, so Nickelodeon gave the green light for a full series in 1990. Nice. And, and they got to work. And they got to work, and they got it. That, that is a more sensible amount of time than Clarissa. <laughs> well, animation inherently yes. takes a bit more time than live action. I, I still say like a year, a year to get a show out is still pretty dang fast for an animated show. Like that's, I'll take your word for yeah, it. <laughs> Nickelodeon, they were going fast and hard. Yeah. Anyway, so... Like a racehorse. So we're gonna, we watched the first like full length pilot of the show, which is called Tommy's First Birthday. I think it's the only episode of the show where Tommy Pickles wears a red shirt instead of a blue shirt. Yeah. Inexplicably. It's so, like, it throws you off. You're like, why is your shirt red? As the title suggests, it's an important day in pickle in, in the Pickles family. Right. It's their baby Tommy's for a birthday. Yeah. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> You're a whole year old today. And boy, we got some great presents for you. So that is the voices of... Dee Dee Pickles and Stu and Stu Pickles, who are young parents, and I think they those characters are just straight up based on Klasky and Chupo. Are they young parents? Did we, did we look it up? Are they in their thirties? I feel like they're not young parents. I feel like they have a young child, but I feel yeah, I think they're in their thirties. They're new parents. They're new parents. <laughs> that art is not a young parent. Yeah. So, we need to jump into this and say this. So disclaimer: we uh, we have no children. We have no children. We're a couple of dinks. In in Doug terms, uh, Doug's na- next door neighbor is Mr. Dink. Dink stands for double income, no kids. Hey, <laughs> so we're just a couple dinks. of dinks. We're a couple of dinks. So we have thoughts on parenting. Keep it in mind, we are not parents. That's true. We have never parented. Um, so we might have some thoughts on parenting that don't align with yours, <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. But yeah, they're they're new parents. That are, they're not young. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, Stu saying, or Dee Dee saying, it's your first birthday. It's going to be great. And Stu's like, we're going to have a lot of great presents. My mind immediately is like, why does a one-year-old need presents? That's that's an excellent point. Like, like, if it is not specifically for the parent to help care for the child better, I just, again, we're dinks. I do not. 
Here's believe the, in getting children presents for themselves until they're about three or four. And depending on the child, like how smart the kid is and understandable. And also like first kid, they don't understand that much. But if it's like your second or third kid, they are able to like see, hey, that person has a toy. I want a toy too. They develop a little bit faster if they're like someone close to age that they can watch. So they start getting presents a little bit earlier. Here, here's a hotter take. Why have a first birthday party for a baby anyway? Well, I would not. I would not, unless it's like a culturally significant thing, like in some Asian cultures, like a first birthday is the hugest thing where they go and they reach out for stuff and sure. like, that's what they're going to be cool, cool. But if that's not, why, why are you spending all this money to do with it? Why? But also if you would like to do that because you are a parent and that's what you want to do, do it. That, it's it's your life. It is your life and the life of your family. You do what's healthy for you. In this dink household, <laughs> when eventually we have kids, if they are, you, no. Yeah, one-year-old, for, in my head, it's like, they're not going to remember it. Who cares? Yes. So later on, like, when they do open the presents for the baby, like, one of the parents who comes to the party straight up has bought, like, walkie-talkies, like, a baby monitor. Yeah. Right? For the parents. And I was like, that is what presents should be like at a first birthday party. Yes. There should be presents for the adults, for the parents, to make parenting easier. Yes. That's maybe the only reason to have a birthday party for a baby. Exactly. Like, oh, we're going into the one years or the two years. Uh, please give me new things because it's already expensive to feed and house this child. What, what, so my parents, they had birthday parties for me as a baby. And, like, they would invite all of their, you know, all of my cousins mm -hmm. and my aunts and uncles and... Like, my dad, I think even my uncle recorded it, you know? Mm -hmm. So we had old VHS tapes, like Rodney's first birthday, right? And, like, they had pinatas and... <laughs> That's not for me. <laughs> they, they dressed up, like, you know, uh, like, yeah. It's, I'm like, just like, if you wanted to have a party, just have a party. Don't call it my birthday. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't... I'm like, maybe the party was for my cousins, you know, who are a little bit older than me. So, yeah. like, my five-year-old cousins were there. You know, they were five years old at the time. They had probably had fun yeah. breaking the pinata, but I was a little baby. Like, I don't remember. It. Like, I the only reason I knew about it is... that candy. The only reason I knew about it was because it was on videotape. Yeah. It's a funny story. There was a... a going back and watching some of those old VHS tapes, right? Like, we, we did that one time, like... Several years ago, you mm -hmm. know, like we rediscovered them. So me and my sister were watching through them. Cute. They had a pinata shaped like Thomas the Tank Engine. And this was, I assume, 1994 at the height of the OJ scandal because they lost the knife to cut the pinata open. And all of the adults are joking about like, where's the knife? We've lost the knife. <laughs> it's OJ's knife. Oh, no. <laughs> They're making OJ Simpson jokes. Why would they cut open the pinata? To put candy in it. Oh, to put in. I thought you were. They were like it was hung up. I was like, you usually use a a bat or a wood st a stick of some <laughs> sort. Stab the pinata. I was so confused. I was like, what is this? No, no, no. They were cutting it open to put the candy inside, and I guess they lost the knife at a kid's birthday party. Ooh, maybe it's in. Do you it, know that gif? What do you have? Or that that like meme? What do you have? A knife? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hope it wasn't in the pinata though. Oh no, it wasn't. Oh. Either way, it was it was lost to time, just like OJ's murder weapon. <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, so yes, they the the Pickles family they're Alleged having a murder weapon. The Pickles family they're having a birthday party for their infants, and they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves to make this the perfect birthday ever. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Stu, let's do the birthday checklist. Okay, shoot. Um. 
Carrot brand cake with health nuggets. Check. Pin the tail on the donkey. Safety version with suction cups. Check. The puppet show? Oh, yeah. Puppeteers, stage, props, and puppets arrive at 11. Perfect. Mm. A puppet show for one-year-olds? Why, the little sprats aren't even going to remember it. They'll remember this one, Pop. Rated number one by Birthdays Magazine. And besides, do we want to be remembered as the family that settled for less? Grandpa speaks the truth. Yeah, that was Grandpa Lou. Uh, who lives with the Pickles family, uh, and he he's, he knows what's up. He's just he's not going to remember it. Well, the Johnsons are going to judge us if we don't have a good party. Okay, let them judge. This is such a, like, middle-class white problem. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to, like, put labels on it, but it feels that way. It's like, these are, like, rich yuppies who want to, you know make this the best birthday ever because it's not for the baby it's for them yeah and they're like projecting their own insecurities on the baby yeah it's like and the baby's like please don't i'm gonna be insecure enough in my whole life don't do this now right and i don't like i'm trying to like psychoanalyze the pickles here you know like part of me th feels like i was like Stu, Didi, did you guys have terrible childhoods you know were you without did you feel like i'm going to give tommy everything that i could not have as a child which isn't always an issue, yeah. but I think if you're putting undue pressure on yourself to like, if I don't get this party right, I will do irreparable damage to my baby. You'd I feel like that's projecting. That's definitely projecting. But I also think it could be the flip side because they may have had like really good lives and wonderful. And it's like, well, if I don't give you the good life I had, then I'm failing. I can't even stand up to like what my parents did. And my parents are great and blah, blah, blah. Like either way. They're doing a lot, and they should not be doing this much. Toxic parenting. Ooh. <laughs> um, so a, a few characteristics about Stu and Dee Dee. Uh, Dee Dee is, because she's a new parent, like, she she doesn't know it all, you know? No. No, no, no first-time parent knows it all. So no. she, she relies on the writings of a certain, like, psychologist named Dr. Lipschitz. Yes. That is his name in the show, yep. Dr. Lipschitz. I'm not saying a curse word. <laughs> in fact, when I was a little kid... I thought the show was getting away with something by naming him Dr. Lipschitz. They were. <laughs> they, they might have been, but yeah, it just seemed weird to hear that syllable in a kid's show. And they're specifically giving, like, they're calling a pseudo-psychologist Lipschitz. Mm, because... Yes. Yes. Like, even when you're, like, listening to some of the stuff, like, well, it's good for the child, blah, 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 blah. Like, they were getting oh away God. with it something. It totally is a pun. Oh, it my gosh. Is. Wow. <laughs> Welcome! Nickelodeon, wow. <laughs> Ren and Sippy was played after this. We crack up all the censors. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what the book says. Eating technique, age 12 months. Stu, we're supposed to distract Tommy with a little play acting. We pretend that this spoon is actually... The space shuttle? Lipschitz knows best, Stu. Now, let's try it. Okay, Tommy. Open the pod bay door. A little to the left, Stu. So, like, even just feeding the baby, they have to, you know. Consult. Yeah. The doctor. The I good mean, doctor. We do it with Google. It's true. But, like, I also get it, right? Well, as much as I can. Like, oh, there are markers. By this age, they, you should be able to X, Y, and Z. Um, but I will say, like, I was, before she went into her baby voice, I was like, Dee Dee has an excellent, like, m Motherly new mom voice. voice. Just like, okay, so we need to distract, da da da. Lipschitz is always right. And then, hey, sweetie! <laughs> I, was just, me. I was like, oh yeah, that is a thing that people do. <laughs> that's another thing. I'm like, I'm, I assume when I'm with parent, like, I'm not gonna do baby voice. Like, that's, that seems just like, I don't know, like, it just seems 
like nonsense to me. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like, I, yes, the baby, like the baby, doesn't understand what you're saying in either way. Like, just talk to him straight. Like, yeah, I'm just like use your normal voice so they become you know uh, communicative sooner. They they become endeared to your own voice. Yeah, not the baby babble. Yeah, you know. I mean, like I was reading reading or TikToking somewhere where it was just like that part. That part is important in development because that's how they start to form consonants and sounds. Yeah. But you don't need to, like, bah, bah, with them. They're going to do it, you know? Yeah. Regardless. So if you're like, hey, baby. Hey, little baby. (laughs) Hey, my baby. I don't know what I'm saying. Hey, have we said yet that we're not parents? (laughs) There's an episode later on in the series where Dr. Lipschick visits the the house. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Didi calls him in, like, a house call. And, like... She, I, I think there's like a crisis where he has to basically babysit all of the babies, right? And he's like, and he, I'm an expert. And he's a quack. Yes. He turns out to be a huge quack. There you go. <laughs> Putting more credence to that that pun. <laughs> um, but yes, so and then so that's Dee Dee. And then, and then Stu is, what does he do for a living? He's an inventor. Right. Who he, works out of the basement. He's trying to get a toy company off the ground. Yes. So he has a basement lab where he builds toy pitches i assume and like the the constant running gag in the show is he's constantly building like dangerous toys or toys that aren't for children like yeah in the the rugrats movie he's built he builds the the reptar wagon yeah and it's like this fire breathing like remote control car Stuart, why do our children need the option to breathe fire and he ends up this whole episode is he he wants to you know show Tommy his new toy and that's the his first gift, which is uh it's called the Havarama. Hey Tommy, here's a present from your old dad. Watch this, Drew. What is that thing? This is the Havarama. Stu, are you off your nut? Tommy's not old enough for that gizmo. Heck, I'm not even old enough for it. Anyone can work this thing, Pop. Here, let me show you. It's, I think if I rewatched the show, I would just like be so endeared to Grandpa Lou. I think he would be the character that I would focus on now. Puppet show for one-year-olds? Why, when I was a spud, we didn't have puppet shows. If we wanted entertainment, we went out back and pulled up stumps. Then we'd walk 15 miles in the snow. That's his, his, his catchphrase. Yeah, I use that catchphrase so much. You do. <laughs> 15 miles up. Hill in the snow both ways. But yeah, the Havarama that Stu builds is a straight up drone. He builds this freaking remote control drone for a baby. Yeah. And the, all the kids are like, what is that? You know, yeah. like clearly the babies do not care. No. And uh, we're talking a lot about the parents, by the way. We will get to <laughs> I, it. We're, we're going to build up to the babies because they're the stars of the show. But like, I feel like as adults, I connect way more with the parents of the show now. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, Stu Pickles like... He is, I think, he's a he's a failed toy inventor. And he's, <laughs> he's aspiring. Aspiring. <laughs> and he's trying to, like, prove himself to his kid, almost, you know? Like, yeah. He's using Tommy as his guinea pig for his, you know, weird toys because he's trying to uh, build up his own confidence. Yeah. You know, I wonder if we, like, uh, not we together because I don't want to do this as a project or have this be one of the shows so that we watch together casually but i kind of want to go through and rewatch to see um all the different inventions that Stu comes up with because 
on a level, it's just like, yeah, no, that's not for a one-year-old, but I would like a freaking drone. Thank you. Like, how many of his things, you know, I want a wagon I can sit in and blow fire at. <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. just like, how many of those things, like, they speak to um, kids like us. Like, we're, we're adults, but... He needed to, like, change his focus to kids' toys to, like, adult toys. Yeah, like, or, like, preteen toys, like, that middle bit. Yeah. He needs to build some Nerf guns. Yeah. <laughs> his Nerf guns might yeah. have actual <laughs> things in them. Just pow, pow. So, uh, let's talk about who comes to the party. So, uh, obviously, you know, Dee Dee, Stu, Tommy, and Grandpa Lou, they're already, they all live there. That's their house. But who, who comes to the party? Betty and husband. <laughs> that would be Betty and Howard. Howard! They are the next door neighbors and they have twin babies. <laughs> Phil and Lil. DeVille. Ah, they're DeVilles. They're not Hi, tweeted. Howard. Hi, Betty. How are you? Well. Well, Deed. We are totally psyched for this birthday thing, aren't we, Howard? Well, Betty. Oh, don't mind Howard, Deedee. He's just a little frazz on account of all these kids. Actually. I mean that twins are enough of an arm load. And today we got little Chuckster. Hey, I think we could just pen these books. So uh, Betty is like, I don't know. She 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 strikes Bull me dosing? as a, she strikes me as a feminist, like tough lady. You know, uh, she she definitely uh, browbeats her husband and strong arm and strong arms her husband. She strikes me as a car- caricature of feminism, yes. especially during this time. <laughs> yes, like she's she is wearing a sweater with a giant female symbol on yeah the circle and the downward plus right and then her husband is like this very like soft-spoken uh timid almost yeah little man so it it is a fun dynamic where you know she's definitely the she wears the pants in the in the relationship sorry we're not we're not there yet but she's uh big bob's beepers and he is um miriam miriam oh this is yeah we're comparing them to the hey arnold people yeah (laughs) but like they from what I understand, like they always like they brought out the best in each other. Yeah, you know? uh, from so, what I remember. Yeah, they seem like they're they're at least they're fun characters. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I mentioned, they have two kids, Phil and Lil, twin babies. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Betty mentioned it there, like she had they're taking care of Chucky today. So Chucky is another baby, and he's the oldest of Finster. The, Chucky Finster is the oldest of the group, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't meet his dad in this episode. But his, no. his dad Chaz, I think Charles yes. Charles Finster. Yes, Chaz. Uh, he's a single father. I think he's a widow. Yeah, um, and he's another fun little character. I, I always connected as a young nerdy boy with Chucky and Chaz. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll leave that there. Yeah. I I totally always Chucky was my favorite. Chucky was my favorite. Like Chucky, and then who else comes to the party? Drew Pickles. Drew Pickles, who is Stu's brother, older brother, and his daughter, Angelica. Angelica. When we get to the party, Daddy, can I play with little Tommy? Sure, sweetie. And he's baking a birthday cake. And there's going to be a puppet show. Uncle Stu says it's the best one in the whole world. Yes, Angelica is the bully of the show. Yeah. So I feel like we've got the f- we've got the five babies mm-hmm. set up. Tommy Pickles, Phil and Lil, Chucky, and Angelica. Right. And... The most important character, Spike. <laughs> no. <laughs> So the babies are the stars of the show, and their main focus of this episode is to do what? To eat dog food so that they might become dogs themselves. Chucky, Phil, Phil, I got just one word to say to you. What? What? Dog food. Dog Dog food. food. Dog food. 
I tried to get some from Spike's bowl, but Grandpa stopped me. Why would you want to eat that stuff? Well, Spike eats him. Look at him. He can do anything he wants. He even gets to sleep in the flowers. Maybe if we eat that dog food, we'll turn into dogs. So yes, the kids, uh, Tommy, like, while being fed, sees up on the TV that they have in their kitchen. Yeah. Um, a commercial for dog food, and it creates this, like, uh, obsession of wanting to eat dog food so he can be a dog. And he convinces all the other babies to go on this mission to eat dog food. Yeah. I have to assume that, like, because what you said, that Klasky and Chupo were just, like, watching their children and were like, babies are weird. What goes through their mind? You ever wonder what goes through their mind? Yeah. And probably one of their kids was trying to eat dog food and was, like, really sad when your mom and dad wouldn't let them. Right. And so this is, like, this is what they must be thinking. They could be a dog. So that's, like, a fun, like, trying to, like, justify, like, justification. Like, what what, what are you thinking? And it's a pretty one-note quest. Yeah. It really is just they try to get away from the parents and they try to get the dog food. And um, there's, like, a action sequence late in the episode where they try to climb the cupboards to get to a can of dog food that's sitting on the counter and you know they they stack up on top of each other and try to get the dog food and chucky ends up wielding the havarama yeah to, he puts to, batteries in it his whole self that that like is that happens towards there's a lot of like little shenanigans where Tommy's trying to get it himself. Like, he goes for a screwdriver that's taped under his high chair because he's a thug <laughs> to get out to eat the dog food while it's on the ground. And then Spike eats it all, and he's like, we've got to get it. We've got to figure right. it out. As an, speaking of Tommy and his screwdriver, I think one of the things that's fun about this show is how, like, the babies are, like, dumb and they have a very childlike view of the world. But they're also, like, they have a lot of ingenuity. Mm -hmm. Like they're constantly breaking out of their uh, pig pig pen. What is it? Like baby pen? Yeah. And or breaking out of their high chair or uh, like jerry rigging something to. They're MacGyvers. The, he is a little MacGyver. He's Tommy a little Pickles. MacGyver. Yeah. Well, his father is an inventor. <laughs> right. And they even so in this quest to get dog food, they even convince Tommy's cousin, the bully Angelica, to get involved. Yeah. Um. Um, hi, Angelica. Say, do you know anything about dog food? Listen up, dummy. This may be your birthday, but when the presents are open, I get first dibs on the toys. What about dog food? Tommy thinks if you eat some, maybe you turn it to a dog. You mean I could wear a collar with spikes on it? And chase cats and howl at the moon. Could I even bite the mailman? I have a funny story about Angelica. Um, this is a story related to me. Um, I don't remember this. Apparently, when I was very, very young, I, I assume Tommy Pickles' age, uh, my parents used to hire a babysitter, right, to watch me. And I, I don't, I guess, like, I don't know if they dropped me off at somebody's house or the babysitter came to our house. But um, this babysitter also watched another child which was a g little girl that was a little older than me. And apparently this little girl was an Angelica to my Tommy. Oh, no. She used to bully me as a little kid <laughs> from what I was told. And my parents told me that the, the babysitter would tell my parents, oh, yeah, he was pushed down by this little girl. And she my, my mom complained to her parents and they had nothing. You know, they, oh, not our they heard nothing angel. of it. Yeah, they were like, ah, that's, that's a lie. Whatever, right? 
And apparently I got I was a little baby and I got so fed up with it that I pushed her down. Nice. <laughs> and she started crying. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, good job, little me. <laughs> and apparently they pulled me out of that daycare because those parents complained about me. Wow. Yep. That's annoying. Either way, I I can understand Tommy's plight and I want to see Tommy push Angelica down. <laughs> but no, in this episode, Angelica is uncharacteristically in on the plan. Yeah. Most of the time she is like nasty and mean. Yeah. And she has the usually the plot B. Yeah, and you, you heard her like she's a spoiled brat. She wants she doesn't care about anything but the toys yeah. and the presents. Which makes she's sense. Of an age. Yeah. The uh I was reading that apparently like Angelica's inclusion was a Paul Germain idea, mm-hmm. not Klasky Chupo. She was based on a bully from his childhood. We all had him. And Klasky, uh, Arlene Klasky, did not like Angelica Pickles. She protested the character's actions throughout the series and has stated, I never liked Angelica. Okay, then. Yep. So apparently she was like, I hate that character and I wish she wasn't in the show. <laughs> well. Yeah. Did she like her in a Rugrats All Grown Up? She matured a little bit. I don't know. I don't. I, I barely remember that show. I remember it. <laughs> So, while the babies are out there trying to get the dog food, that is all they try to do. Yeah. With some, like, cartoonish action in between. Um, The parents are all dealing with their own issues in their own special way. (laughs) Uh, For one example, Dee Dee is continuing to put pressure on herself, and all of that comes to a head with the puppet show. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Puppets, puppets, puppets. Where are those puppets? Stay cool, Deed. Betty, my future as a mother depends on this party, and the party depends on the puppet show, and the puppeteers were supposed to be here, what, 13, no, 14 minutes ago. Maybe that's them now. <laughs> if the puppet show doesn't come, I will fail as a mother. I will be the failure. That is, I, I find that hilarious. That's so sad. And it's... It's like, honey, it's not that important. It's really not that serious. It's four t- it's, One, it's 14 minutes late. Who cares? And it's a baby's puppet show. It's a baby's puppet show. It's a baby's puppet. It's not Jeff Dunham. <laughs> <laughs> Might be better than Jeff Dunham. Well, no, we know it wasn't. <laughs> did, did you ever have a puppet show at a birthday party? No. I didn't either. I wanted one at our wedding. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, there was a, uh, I used to listen to the Rooster Teeth podcast, and one of the hosts of that show Jeff Ramsey, when he got remarried in the like mid two thousands, he him and his wife were kind of like weird alternative people. They did have a puppet show at their wedding. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't even think we had a clown at any of my weddings or anything like that. Any of your weddings? Any of my birthday parties? <laughs> I remember going to a friend's birthday party as like a five year old, and a clown came and made us balloon animals. Oh, that's nice. I don't. I think we've only ever had, like, barbecues. Children entertainment was what? I don't know. Just listening. I don't know. It's because no one no one really cares about that stuff. Yeah. Like, Dee Dee, no one cares. I, no one in the, no adult in the room wants to sit through a freaking puppet show. Yeah. You've got your two elderly parents there. They don't want to sit through a stupid puppet show. Yeah. You know, I think, like, honestly, at one point, right, when Betty walks in, she's just like, oh, yeah, da, 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 talking all these things. And we have, uh, we have Chucky Day Day, too. Hey, can we pin these kids up? And I 100% can we, believe, day, can we get day drunk? That's like legitimately what I thought the next line was. Like, that's the line they cut. Like, can we pin them up and get some mimosas? 
Come on. Right? They can entertain themselves. That's like, a, and, and the the joke of the whole episode is like all like Dee Dee and the parents are putting so much pressure on themselves to have the perfect birthday party and like really have this puppet show thing go off. Yeah. But the kids do not care. No. They walk away from the puppet show immediately. Yes. They just want to be in the kitchen to eat some do- some dog food. <laughs> the puppet show instead is used to um work out some old <laughs> old issues between the two brothers. Air grievances because what happens is the puppeteers show up and it turns out the pickles didn't pay for the puppeteers. They yeah. only paid for the props. Yep. So the puppeteers move in a stage and puppets with no actual puppeteers. So Stu and his brother Drew step in <laughs> to do the puppet show themselves. We now present for your entertainment the climactic scene from the classic Little Red Riding Hood. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? It is me, Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, um, come in. Grandma, what big eyes you have. Why, thank you. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> I want to say with that clip, you can hear some of the music underneath. Mm. All of the music from Rugrats is performed by Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo fame. Oh. Do you know what other show he did music for? Is it Tiny Toons? No. It was Pee Wee. <laughs> you can finish this podcast on your own. <laughs> no, hey, wait, no, don't go. Pee Wee's Playhouse, its DNA will live on forever. No. <laughs> Cut that family tree down. Let's hear more of this puppet show. Grandma, what big ears you have. Yes, they're for hearing. Now, now, it's the better to hear you with, my dear. No, it isn't. Of course it is. I beg to differ. Hey, don't get uppity with me, okay? Uppity? You're calling me uppity? Yeah, because you are uppity. You were uppity the last time we did this, too. But at least then you knew your lines. Hey, I didn't want to do this in the first place. It was your idea. Oh, yeah, right. You always blame everything on me. That's because you've always been a whiny little brat. Brat? Whiny little brat? Yeah, always breaking my stuff and then running to Dad like a crybaby the minute I try to stop you. (laughs) Airing airing of grievances out here. (laughs) They're, uh... Yeah. That's why it's like I, I got more clips of the parents in this because like I've connected so hard with these <laughs> with these parents. Like I, I don't think I've ever had a, a disagreement with my siblings quite this bad, but I still find their you know squabbling more fun than whatever the babies are doing. <laughs> so that's why I think this might be the perfect cartoon where it's like it's got something for babies because maybe when I was a little kid I was more interested in the little babies trying to get dog food off the counter. Yeah. And now as an adult I find <laughs> just the parents trying their best and like being weird like having weird arguments and uh you know things that like you do I assume when your child is under the age of understanding just having these conversations i could 100 percent believe that like my parents would have conversations with like their brothers or sisters while i was just like teething stuff that i will never remember that were probably like serious conversations or goofy ones i think it's like so interesting to be able to like even see i I just imagine right like this came from like yeah my kid keeps trying to eat dog food and we caught them while we were talking about so like like that's just the role of life it's such an interesting concept and then um for the record, uh, Stu was right. It is f- all the better to s- hear you with, my dear. <laughs> I don't know what the heck Drew's thinking. <laughs> he just was- wants to be done. He just wants to be proven, right? <laughs> no, it isn't. It's like, yes, it is, Drew. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then the, the puppet show ends with uh, them working through their, their deep emotional distress. <laughs> Hugging it out. That was my bike. I earned it with- 
with my paper route. It was still usable. I only bent the handlebars a little, and that was on account of what you did to my skateboard. Skateboard! Skateboard! Okay, let's agree to disagree. Stu, you shouldn't have wrecked Drew's skateboard. Drew, you shouldn't have bent Stu's handlebars. What's the matter with you, Didi? Let the boys argue. <laughs> it, it, it's clips like that that make me feel like Stu Pickles and to a lesser extent Didi Pickles are, are just children themselves yeah you know they are young they're just young vapid people mm -hmm. who are learning to you know operate as a as as parents yeah. just like the little babies are learning about the world yeah yeah it's so fun they're like so <laughs> they're like so self-absorbed in their own issues that they are completely uh, uh neglecting their baby who is Getting into dangerous, dangerous so antics dangerous. in the next room over. Yeah. Like, no one's watching the kids. No. They're all watching these two man babies argue about skateboards. With socks on their hands. So it, it's, it might be a weird uh, criticism of, like, modern parenting in the early 90s. You know? mm. Like, the era of the latchkey kid. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Neglectful parents, uh, self-absorbed parents who, like, overly parenting parents but also they're like a walking contradiction yeah they're both over parenting and under parenting yeah 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 <laughs> they try real hard they do try real hard <laughs> and the episode uh wraps itself up nicely the kids get their hands on some dog food they clench it in their fists <laughs> and they shove it in their mouths and then spit it out because it's gross because it's disgusting <laughs> no i kind of like it When's this stuff start working anyway? Maybe it takes a while. Wait a minute. I feel something. Hey, I think I got some fleas. Me too. I can't wait to engross it so the little babies all start barking like dogs. And this is right when Dee Dee is having her biggest freak out ever because mm. the Havarama has crashed into their carrot cake. Oh, yeah. And, like, the cake is ruined. The puppet show is a disaster. Um, and and nothing went according to plan. Right. So she's like, I'm a failed mother. Nothing, you know, this this is the worst. But then she looks down and her little baby is perfectly content and, and happy to just be on the floor pretending to be a dog. And then he crawls up to her and, like, is happy and giggling. And she's yeah. like, it was all about family all along. <laughs> like, it's all fine. Everything's fine. And that's the message of the episode. It's like, hey, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just enjoy life. Yeah. Babies don't care about that. Babies don't care about that. <laughs> I will also say, the child hadn't eaten all day. I just thought about that. Like, dog food was the first thing that he actually ate because he didn't eat the breakfast that his mom gave, was trying to give him, and That's then true. the party started. And, and Grandpa Lou even, like, tried to feed him, like, the gross carrot mush. Yeah. And, like, he's like, no, no, Sprout, you want to eat this. And, and, like, he looks at it and goes, I see your point. <laughs> I also don't want to eat that. <laughs> I love Grandpa Stu. It's Grandpa Lou. Grandpa Lou. So that's the first episode of Rugrats. Let's, uh, let's talk about how Rugrats was received. So Rugrats received generally positive reviews from critics and fans, and it remained a strong ratings get for Nickelodeon. That's yeah, probably why that. it stuck around longer than Doug or Ren yeah. and Stimpy, or even the crop of Nicktoons that came after it. Um, Nickelodeon producers credit the show for making them the number one cable channel in the 1990s. Yeah. In a 1995 interview, 
Old Steven Spielberg himself said the show was among the best children's programming at the time, describing it as, quote, a sort of TV peanuts of our time. I guess I could see that. I didn't really like the peanuts. I don't understand it. But yeah, they have have large lumpy heads just like Charlie Brown (laughs) and no hair. Yeah. Uh, Rugrats has been praised for depicting observant, identifiable Jewish families. Yeah. We, we didn't even talk about it, so uh, Didi, Didi's parents show up to the party, and there's Boris and Minka from the, from the old country. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. And there is Tommy Mayesk. <laughs> what is, is Tommy, Tommy Mayesk? Uh, they, they are lovable characters. Yeah. And uh, they... They lead the charge on some of like Rugrats' best episodes. Like usually, their Jewish holiday episodes are the best. Yeah. And Boris and Minka are Klasky and Chupo's way of like you know infusing their own heritage into yeah. the show, which I was like, cool. It is really cool. I think that's like the first. Uh, that had to be like a first, right? Yeah, like or at least like first I'd ever seen of like a religion that was like non-Christian. I wouldn't portrayed. have known what I wouldn't have known what Passover was without the Rugrats. To be yeah, honest. true. Um, in fact, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim religious groups have gave the show high praise for their special holiday episodes. Yeah. Um, it, Rugrats became a very diverse show, right? Like, later on in the series, they introduced... Susie. Uh, Susie. Carmichael. Carmichael. Across the street. Little black baby. Child. She, uh, she was Angelica's age. Yeah, yeah. I think she's like three or four. Yeah. Over the course of its run, Rugrats was nominated for 12 Emmys, winning four. And nice. it was and it was named by IGN as the 92nd best animated series ever. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm like of all the Nicktoons, the only one I think might be better than Rugrats. Don't is, say Rock of Power. No, no. Uh, I was gonna say SpongeBob. In terms of like personal preference and legacy, mm. SpongeBob's legacy is pretty like important now. Spo- I think. I mean, I don't disagree, but I've only seen like four episodes of SpongeBob. It's not my thing. SpongeBob just, they just announced like several spinoffs of SpongeBob like this year. Spinoffs how? Like starring Patrick and SpongeBob is a little baby. Starring? I don't know. Is he a star? Little SpongeBob. Ew. Yeah. Baby Rock. Goodness. All right. Where did Rugrats go from here? Uh, Rugrats first run ended in 1994 after three seasons of 64 episodes. Almost syndicated. So interestingly, like I don't, I think... As the show went on, it kind of developed a, a an identity that I appreciated a bit more than its early episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we hear it in those clips. Like, the first several episodes of Rugrats are very quiet and quaint. Yeah. And, like, um, it's it's kind of, like, sleepy. Yeah. You know? I, I remember watching... All the baby's voices are very, like, whispery. Yeah. I remember, like, whenever I was sick from school, you know, in the early afternoon before, uh, like, school would typically end, they mm-hmm. would be playing old episodes of Rugrats on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm sick from school and I'm watching cartoons, um, they were playing old episodes of Rugrats. And they were always, like, super sleepy. So I remember being, like, sick with a fever and just falling asleep watching old Rugrats. Because, <laughs> like, Chucky fell low. You know, everyone's <laughs> whispering. But as the show went on, it got a little bit more loud, a little bit more active mm-hmm, and right, some right. of my favorite episodes of Rugrats were when they went on an adventure like even like a like an Indiana Jones-esque adventure through mm-hmm. a cave right but it was the baby's imagination yeah so they would be exploring the garage but in their imaginations it was like a deep right. dark cave right so every so often like you'd see this you know they'd be walking through the cave and like something would drop or something like that and they'd see something big at like a big 
totem or something. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what is that big totem? And then they'd walk away and the camera would show what it really was. And it was like, you know, a pile of tires or, yeah. you know, a toolbox or something like that. Yeah. I liked seeing the world from a baby's point of view. Yeah. I think some of the, the episodes that stick with me are like Chucky swallowing the watermelon seed, the one on the playground where... Uh, wait, like they're different from the well okay that one has a lot of imagination in it there's specifically one where they're all pretending to be grown ups and like Tommy's like driving in a car and he gets he gets pulled over by Phil and or Lil and it's just like here's, here's a ticket like what why do I have a ticket for and he like looks at it it's like ticket to see Reptar because they have no understanding like oh, oh what a just, ticket is you yeah. know and different things like that or even the episode where like Angelica falls in love with a boy who can care less about her like mm. you can't have me you can't have me you can't have me is literally a thing that sticks in my mind forever but it's it's yeah you're right it's like later things like that yeah. where it's like loud and brass and very much like children entering the world and just like making noise and as the show went on they continued to like just build on the cast and introduce yeah. new characters. So characters that weren't in this episode that ended up being really fun characters later on were one was Angelica's mom. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Whose name I can't remember. Carolyn or something. S- not Cynthia because that's the name of her doll. <laughs> but Angelica's mom is this workaholic. Yeah. She's constantly on her cell phone talking to her assistant, Jonathan. Yes. We remember Jonathan, but we don't remember her name. So, That's how absent of a mother she was. So not to throw shade on my mom, but my mom was also very much a workaholic well. and constantly on the phone. Yeah. Talking about work stuff. So I identified with Angelica's mom. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. But I remember the episode where Jonathan comes to Babies of the Baby and he's a huge jerk. Oh, Yeah. But um, so, yes, uh, the show ran for 64 episodes into 1994, then production ceased. And the only two episodes to release between then and 1997 were two holiday episodes, the acclaimed Passover and Hanukkah specials. Nice. So by that point, Nickelodeon had access to about 65 episodes of Rugrats. Mm -hmm. So the network re-aired those shows every single day. Oh, wow. They had enough to just... Keep doing it. Like I said... they would air them early afternoon, right before school would typically end. So mm-hmm. if kids were, you know... Got off early or homesick. Yep. Yeah. They would be watching a lot of Rugrats. So Rugrats was always yeah. on yeah. and always in the consciousness, right? Yeah. So it continued to be a popular show, even though there were no more episodes being produced. I, I read, in 1996 alone, Rugrats episodes had aired 655 times over the course of the calendar year. That's crazy and the show remained one of cable television's most watched series yeah finally 1996 production of the uh, production of new episodes started and the show aired on nickelodeon's snick block from 1997 to 2001 back to the snick block (laughs) and here's where the rugrats dynasty like just like kicked into full gear Mm. in 1998 nickelodeon films released its first animated feature film which was the rugrats movie Which I watched recently, and it sucks. Well, I bet. And it introduces Tommy's new brother, Dill, Dill. Pickles. Dylan Pickles. Yeah. And after that episode, after that movie released, Dill was like incorporated into the show. Right. Because and, then they started making new episodes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were like, you know, presenting Tommy as a new older brother, mm-hmm. and they got to do new character dynamics and stuff like that. Yeah. And then a sequel. Rugrats in Paris, the movie, was yeah. released in 2000, which, which introduced... Which gets a lady! Which introduced 
Chaz Finster's new Asian wife and her daughter. So Kimmy. Chucky gets a stepsister. Yes. An, an Asian stepsister. So we've got a full divi- diverse cast of babies by that point. Yeah. Rugrats celebrated its 10th anniversary in 2001, and a special <laughs> titled All Growed Up was produced for the occasion. Yay! Uh, which depicted the ca- uh, the full cast of babies aged up 10 years. Mm-hmm. I remember this one. 10 wa- years? Yeah. So They were 10 years old? Or like 12 years old, yeah. I could have sworn they were like, yeah, yeah, they were like. Tommy okay. would have been 11 or 12. Yeah, okay. And Dill, Dill you would have been 10. I don't know why in my brain they were in high school. They Like it, freshmen in high school. We'll get there. So when All Growed Up aired, it was an event. Like, at least for my group of friends, mm-hmm. it was like a thing that we were all looking forward to because they made a big deal out of it. Right. I, unfortunately, went on vacation that weekend. Ooh. So I missed it. And I remember getting back home and calling my, my friend who lived across the street. I was like, how, whoa, how was it? What, what happened? And they, they relayed it to me and I had to watch it in a rerun later. Uh. Yeah. But it was like presented as this dream sequence where mm-hmm. all the baby like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all the babies go into a closet and get lost. And when they, you know, come out, their come, t- out come out, they're 10 years older. And mm. it's just presenting what, you know, the babies lives would be like if they were all 10 years old. I've never seen that. It's interesting. It's okay. So all grow probably Google it after this. All Growed Up was a rating smash, and because Nickelodeon approved of its ratings, uh, they felt that they had to commission a full series called All Grown Up. Yay! Which which aired from uh, which ran from 2003 to 2008. That's a long run. Yeah, and so All Grown Up, I guess, is set like one or two years after the All Growed Up special. Mm-hmm. So all of the kids are high school age. Yeah. Okay. I think like at the very, I think Dill Pickles is like a freshman in high school. Yeah. It might be middle school. It's, yeah. I can't remember exactly. I think it's a charter school. All the ages in the same school. Right. But. And I thought it was, like, I remember it being a pretty cool show. I remember liking it. Yeah. Like, Tommy Pickles is now, uh, he's into filmmaking and photography. Yeah. Dill Pickles is a weirdo. Yeah, he is. As all young brothers are I, of the time. I remember Dill had a, he had a strange relationship with, like, the gym teacher, the principal, who was constantly trying to psychoanalyze him, like, understand mm. why he's so hyperactive and weird. Right. And then, uh, you know, you got... Angelica and Susie. Yeah. Boy obsessed. Yes. Angelica's boy obsessed. I think Susie's always had a level head about her. I think I'm going to go back and watch how everything is presented. But then, you know, like them just living their whole lives. I haven't, I like, I didn't watch the yeah, show. It, it might be interesting to revisit. Yeah. Because up. it's yeah. like, I wonder like what, like that's a long run. Like, what do you tackle? Like you do have a, like for what it is, a multi-racial cast, and it is a cartoon that you're aiming at people. So it's like, what are you hitting? Like, what are you hitting about, like, the differences that the twins are as they, like, right. are adults and finding their own identities? What are you doing with, like, uh, step-sibling things and with, like, just lots of stuff? Or yeah. as you're growing up, your dad's like, you want to be an adventure like me? And you're like, nope. <laughs> you know, like, lots of stuff. And, like... The anxiety uh, medication that Dee Dee must be on, you know? Right. Do I remember there being an episode where Grandpa Lou dies? They make a joke. I can't remember if it was A in, joke? No, they make a joke in either the All Grown Up special or the first episode of All Grown Up where they're looking at pictures, like in a photo album, and they're like, ah, it's, it's such a shame he's gone. And he's it's like, like it sho- home? No, no, it shows Grandpa Lou, but then the camera pans over to Spike, and Spike has died. The Aww. dog. And I think that was the joke. And then, yeah, Grandpa Lou is still alive. Yeah. Good. Best character. Yes. 
Okay, and in 2003, a Rugrats Wild Thornberries crossover film called Rugrats Go Wild was released. Donnie and Dill must have gotten on like fire. It was uh, because Klasky Chupo produced both shows, mm-hmm. they crossed them over. Yeah. And uh, Eliza Thornberry could talk to animals, so she could talk to Spike, the dog. I thought Spike was dead. Well, not not in all gro- not in the Rugrats. Rugrats Go Wild is with the babies. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And uh, Spike was voiced by Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going to see Rugrats Go Wild in the theater. And they had a gimmick. They handed out scratch and sniff cards. Mm-hmm. And as you watched it, little icons would appear on the screen that would say, hey, scratch this off now and smell it. And now you're in the world. It's terrible. They all smelled bad. All uh. of them. I remember that. It was like, this is a disaster. <laughs> 2003 was right when I was just about ready to age out of these cartoons. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm finding I, my own stuff. I think I'm done. I think I'm done with this now. <laughs> yeah. Two direct-to-video movies titled Rugrats Tales from the Crib. Oh, gosh. Which is a Tales from the Crypt joke. Were released in 2005 and 2006, respectively. I have not seen them. I think they're, they're uh, fairy tale adaptations. Oh, okay. My like young... Or- yes, up. My younger sister might have had one on DVD, <laughs> but I don't remember. Um, four television specials under the title Rugrats Preschool Days. Oh. Which had been in development as a full-blown spinoff since 2001. Oh. Um, aired in 2008. Apparently, it started out as a Angelica and Susie Carmichael-centric oh, spinoff. that's pretty cool. But it just kind of stalled after All Grown Up was put into production. Mm. And they just aired it all as a as four television specials hmm. 2008 well let's talk about all of the rugrats multimedia stuff okay from 1998 to 2003 nick produced a rugrats comic strip as well as a th- as well as 30 issues of an all rugrats comic magazine okay. and i i subscribed to nickelodeon magazine back in the day mm-hmm. i bet you they sent me at least one of these <laughs> In, and in 2017, Boom Studios began publishing a new Rugrats comic book series. What was it called? I don't know, and I don't know if it's still running, but <laughs> if you have read these Rugrats comics, let us know on Twitter. <laughs> the Rugrats, a live adventure stage show, toured from 1988 to 2003. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, I did I not. I don't want to be a part of that. I didn't go to it, and I, I don't think I ever want to see pictures or video of it. I will Google it for you right now. No. (laughs) Rugrats has probably been licensed for every product known to man. I believe that. Including toys, clothes, cereal, toothpaste, and fast food tie-ins. Toothpaste? Yeah. I vaguely remember Rugrats toothpaste. I don't think we ever bought any, because I think my parents had more sense than that. (laughs) But (laughs) pretty sure I remember that. Rugrats has spawned way too many video games. Yeah. Um, In fact, I've played way too many of them. (laughs) I've... Remember the Rugrats in Paris video game I had for my, I think it was the N64. Oh, goodness. It was terrible. It was like a, it was a... Clarissa had better games? Gosh, <laughs> it was a, like a mini game collection. It was awful. Oh. Just awful. I think that game taught me, hey, games based on cartoons are terrible. Well, most of the time. Good lesson learned early. Yep. And all the, the Rugrats babies have made frequent appearances in Nicktoons team-up games, like Nicktoons Sports and Nicktoons Racing and... Are you saying Tommy Pickles is going to be in the next Smash Bros? <laughs> I'm sure somebody has suggested it. <laughs> Back in the day, Super Smash Brothers, they let out like a... They, they opened a website where people could submit 
requests for characters, new fighters, and mm. I bet you Tommy Pickles <laughs> was suggested by at least one person. Or if not, just Reptar. Oh man, that'd be fun. And in 2018, Nickelodeon announced a revival of Rugrats to be executive produced by the original creative team of Klasky Chupo, now divorced, and Jermaine. Well. Slated to debut on Paramount Plus, the other th- streaming network. What if they make Stu and. No, you can't make them divorced because there's all grown up lore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is just a straight up reboot. Um. I don't. I have no idea. It's fine. Well, I mean, they would have to get the same voices. And it's going to be on Paramount Plus, so like no one will watch it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it was further announced that Paramount Pictures has greenlit a live-action CGI hybrid feature film. No! Which was originally set for 2021. No! Um, but I assume that because of uh, the COVID, uh, maybe it's been pushed back. Mm. May- may- hopefully, uh, cooler heads realize that maybe this was a bad idea and Don't we should have made it. Don't do it. <laughs> so... If you're looking forward to that, let us know. Don't look forward to it, kids. Yeah, but that's Rugrats. Do you, would you recommend Rugrats? I would. I would also recommend Rugrats. Yeah. Um, as Good show. as far as Nicktoons go, it's top t- S tier. Top tier. S tier uh, Nicktoon. Snick tier Nicktoon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh man. So what's next? Runners up. Uh, winners. Oh. So that this one's going to be a little bit harder to decide because I'm like. Ah, uh, I think I'll just like give to whichever because I think both shows were very good in their own ways. And, I agree. Like have a lasting thing. I think like the later you get into Clarissa, it has like a lot of stuff to like say and submit for young girls to just kind of like, a space for young girls to like true have true. something that they like that people don't necessarily crap on, or if they do, like Clarissa is very much like. And so I'm living my life despite you. Whereas Rugrats, like as well, like later on. Like after the first quiet episodes or it, season, it, hit it, its like, stride. it hits its stride so much that there are spinoffs and like we are talking about like going back and watching all grown up and and things like that. So I think that both of them are excellent. I would say we both win, not because I want to like oh it's a tie that you don't like. Like we just both. I think we should both get full stars. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm gonna say regrets. <laughs> all right. I I I really did appreciate uh, Calarissa for all of its its highlights. But I think it, when I really sit back and think about it, I think Rugrats has the bigger legacy. You're not wrong. Legacy-wise, it does. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I say Rugrats wins. Um, but Clarissa, it was close. Yeah. Clarissa was an excellent show. <laughs> now runners up. Now we're running up to the, the runnings. Runners up for this year was Slim Pickens. We each only have one. Nice, nice. <laughs> so for you, uh, we have already talked about it a little bit. Doug. The first Nicktoon. The first Nick too. It was a Nickelodeon year, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, and oh, was this not a Nickelodeon show? Oh, it was. Um, and my runner up was Pete and Pete, which was another Nickelodeon show. So it Nick, was just Nick sweeps the year. Nickelodeon ruled nineteen ninety one. Yes, <laughs> in, in kids television, they did. Like honestly, it was a marquee year. They did what they were doing. They did what they came to do. Right, plugs. Yeah, because we're we're reaching the end of the show here, folks. So. <laughs> Uh, and I'm hungry to the point of I'm a little nauseous. So, so if you you're ready to barf, <laughs> so if you have any uh, memories about Clarissa or Rugrats or Nicktoons or Nickelodeon, let us know on Twitter at Media Mate Show. You can follow us there. We always have fun polls and pictures and videos and fun things like that. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Media Mate Show. 
Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Rod the Master. That is at Rod the Master. And as far as side projects go, I run a wrestling show on YouTube called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E, where we explore the lives and careers of our favorite wrestlers. So if that sounds interesting to you, check us out. I also write for a website called ZeldaDungeon.net. It is completely focused on the video game series, The Legend of Zelda. So if you like Zelda, check us out there. For me, I do a lot less things. But you can um, also follow us on Instagram at MediumAidShow. Um, we don't have one of those. Uh, and if you want to follow me personally, I am on YouTube, uh, Taming Tales, where I um, put together collections of stories and tell stories to uh, amateur art and uh, vlog through my process of writing a novel. So if you would like to be present-ish for any of that, come and visit me on YouTube, not in my actual home. That would be weird. And that's that, that the end of the show. Yeah. So we're going to close out... This episode and 1991 with a little thing called the Rugrats Rap. Oh, dear. If you watched Nickelodeon at any point in the late 90s, early 2000s, you most likely heard the Rugrats Rap. Oh, man. It was an interstitial between shows, commercial breaks, <laughs> and uh, it's a bit of an earworm. So going to build your house? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. We will see you next time in 1992. Woo! Bye, kids. Have a good night. I'm going to eat cake. It's a Nickelodeon. <laughs>